The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 217 for Thursday, February 27th, 2014. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number 347-324-3541. You can always use our feedback line, 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. If you don't want your messages played on air, please make sure to specify that. All right. We have a crazy, crazy show this week. We got UFC 170. We got to talk about the WWE Network launch, including Raw. We got to talk also about NXT Arrival. We got a ton of gaming news. We got lots of entertainment news. We got the breaking news about the TRT being uh, pretty much banned in the UFC and in any UFC sanctioned events in international markets, which is big news. And of course, we will be taking your calls. But before we get that get into all that let's get into some housekeeping first couple of things we gotta pretty much work work through and some stuff that i gotta actually put out there for some of our new listeners uh first and foremost i'm happy to report that we are well over 1200 downloads for the month of february of course with this week's show this will be the last show of the month and i'm actually very happy to report that um you know we're 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 doing really really great numbers and as such for those of you that are brand new to the show, I want to just get a couple of things out there that, so that you guys can get the, the best experience possible. First up, uh, we take calls for every segment, MMA, wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. So if it's your first time listening, those are the four areas that we cover. Uh, the call-in number, like I said, at the top of the show, 347-324-3541. You can also use that number to listen to the show live. Just don't hit option one and you won't be put in the caller queue. You can watch the show on mtrlive.com as well as gfqlive.tv as well as listen via Mixler, mixler.com forward slash mytakeradio. If you are using a mobile device, you can use the dial-in option or you can also use the gfqlive.tv or mtrlive.com options and watch it on your mobile device. The chat room does work on mobile so you can participate that way as well. As for replays, they always air on the GFQ network. And you can get archive shows on the site, mytakeradio.com, as well as our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash mytakeradio TV. So 
I had to get that out there for those of you that are brand new. Um, the only other thing I had to really put out there is uh, we've been really using quite a bit the live blogs this week. We ran two of them, uh, one for NXT, one for TNA Impact. John Blade handled the NXT Arrival live blog and Jay Santi handled our TNA Impact live blog. Uh, lots of conversation, lots of great content from both those guys. So definitely those guys should pat themselves on the back for a job well done. Uh, we are migrating to live blogs for wrestling and MMA and even for some TV stuff, depending on uh, how our schedules look, only because the constant updates on Facebook, while they're great and they allow us to engage with you guys a little bit more, the problem is that Facebook's algorithms are completely messed up. A lot of the stuff we push on the site um, really isn't seen by many of you. I mean, there's there's 3,000 plus fans on the site, and on any given day, we're only reaching about 70 to 100 of you which is uh, just a big, big problem. And this is attributed to Facebook. A lot of guys that run shows and sites are going through the same thing. Um, same thing with even celebrities that have these huge followings. They're only reaching a fraction of the audience. And this doesn't have to do with us. This just has to do with the way Facebook is doing things. So it, with that said, you know, we're going to try and do the live blogs on the site. We invite you guys to use our comments section and interact with us that way. Um, again, we're not going to do forums for the time being. I have been considering it given that I've come across some interesting things that we can use that will allow for pretty much minimal oversight and it, they may be able to manage themselves. Again, it's not something we're going to go with, but it's something that definitely is noteworthy and we will consider it in the future. Uh, MyTakeRadio.com 5.0 is being worked on as we speak. Uh, the mock-ups that we've seen look incredible, and we look forward to launching that within the next month or so. All right, so as I mentioned, uh, it was funny because I wasn't going to do a show tonight. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a sketchy it's a sketchy day for me just because um, usually the I, it's uh, the anniversary of my mother's passing, so it's 14 years. I I usually take today to kind of just hide out and not really do nothing, but um. I figured this is great therapy and I figured I could channel my my anger in a constructive fashion. And considering all the stuff we got to talk about, it's definitely going to be something that will come into play this evening. Uh, we got no opening monologue. Things were pretty quiet, paint by numbers in my real life. So there's nothing I really need to vent about. So let's not beat around the bush and jump right into this week's MMA, shall we? So UFC 170 went down this past Saturday and there was a lot of different conversation going on. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we had the big championship fight, Ronda Rousey defending her belt against Sarah McMahon. We also had the debut of, of Daniel Cormier at 205 pounds, which uh, he was taking on Patrick Cummins, a, a guy who pretty much talked his way into a UFC opportunity. And I definitely commend the guy for making it as far as he did. As for the card itself, it was actually quite good. There wasn't really a lot of, there weren't too many bad fights. On the contrary, we had a lot of really good fights. Uh, Zach Makoski and Josh Sampo was a, a solid, solid fight, uh, excuse me, solid fight on the prelims for the flyweights. Uh, Zach Makoski goes to 
Uh, two victories thus far in the UFC, taking the fight via unanimous decision. Uh, the fight between Cody Gibson and Aljamain Sterling was actually a very, very good fight. Aljamain Sterling fights right here out of New York City, part of the Sarah Longo camp. And he looked really good in this fight. A lot of great striking, uh, working a lot of different unique striking patterns. And he definitely looked good in his debut in the Octagon. I was definitely very impressed with him. Uh, Rafael Asuncao to close up uh, going into the co-main event of the prelims. Uh, pretty academic for him. Took a unanimous decision against Pedro Munoz. And of course, the ladies rounded things out. Alexis Davis, Jessica I in an extremely competitive fight. A lot of really, really great striking uh, from both ladies. A lot of swinging for the fences. Um, you know, a couple of people were saying to me that they felt that that fight... Uh, the Alexis Davis Jessica I fight should have been the prelim for the pay per view. You know, it, it. We talked about this last week with Josh from MMA Valor, and we were saying that, you know, so there, we, we, there's no rhyme or reason why certain fights get on pay per view more than others. But you know, it is what it is. Nonetheless, it, it was a great fight to close out the prelims, and Stephen Thompson and Robert Whitaker definitely got the ball rolling uh, for the first opening bout of the pay per view. Uh, really, really nasty TKO from Steven Thompson, just putting a putting a beating. He caught um, he actually caught Robert Whitaker with a with a big right. At which point, when Whitaker went down, he just swarmed on him, and the ref just had to pull him off. Uh, really nice stoppage. Steven Thompson, uh, TKO, three minutes forty three seconds against Robert Whitaker. Uh, definitely making a statement for himself at one seventy is Steven Thompson. Mike Pyle and TJ Wahlberger was very good as well. We got another TKO in that fight with Mike Pyle securing a victory via TKO um, using some hammer fists from top position, a couple of elbows. And it was it was funny because uh, Mike Pyle used a lot of really great striking to get his, his way in there, um, including a knee to the head, which set up an elbow and another knee that landed on Wahlberger as he was shooting in. Uh, Pyle did try for the guillotine choke, but Wahlberger escaped. And at that point, Pyle secured full mount, and that was it. It was just raining, raining violence on TJ Wahlberger as Mike Pyle takes the victory, like I said, via TKO. Now, Rory McDonald and Damian Maya, a lot of people were talking about this fight. Um, obviously, Rory McDonald is considered the next GSP. Take that for what it's worth. I feel that um, Kenny Florian 2.0, he's good, but... He's not he's not really going out there and delivering performances that want to make us really, really take notice. In a way, it's, he's very similar to GSP. He goes out there and gets the job done. It's just not in super exciting fashion. Nonetheless, him and Damian Maya had a very, very solid fight. I really thought the jiu-jitsu ace Damian Maya was going to get the victory in that fight. I was bummed that he didn't. Not that I dislike Rory McDonald, but I always feel Damian Maya is one or two fights away from a title opportunity. And once again, he was denied. Uh, Daniel Cormier and Pat Cummins, of course, lightweight, light heavyweight fight. Daniel Cormier dropping down to 205, looked in really, really great shape. Um, I, I have to commend Cormier. A lot of people said he couldn't do it. Uh, too much love for Popeye's fried chicken. That's not a stereotype or a racial joke. That's fact. Uh, the fact is Cormier really disciplined, dropped down, looked in incredible shape. And he really, he was not trying to go out there and take this fight the distance or give Pat Cummins the opportunity to make a name for himself. There was no touching of the gloves. 
Uh, Patrick Cummins went in for the leg kick. Uh, he reached for a takedown, but it wasn't happening. He worked the body kick a little bit, but Cormier just started just unleashing a barrage of strikes. First with an uppercut from the clinch. Uh, Cormier was beating him to the punch, hitting that right hand with reckless abandon, at which point he landed an uppercut and Cummins went down. Cormier jumps on top. Boom, boom, boom. And there you go. Daniel Cormier takes his first victory at 205. Of course, this is all leading to the eventual fight with John Jones, which we'll see if that happens. Now, here we go, ladies and gents. The big one, female bantamweights, Ronda Rousey, Sarah McMahon. This fight didn't even, you blinked and this fight was over. That's how crazy it was. Uh, Sarah McMahon definitely worked a couple of strikes in, at which point, though, Rousey just landed some nasty knees. First of all, she caught her with an elbow in the clinch, at which point she just came right up with a knee right into the liver, a beautiful liver shot. Sarah McMahon went down and the ref stopped it. Now, the stoppage has been considered questionable depending. I've watched the fight on four separate occasions, uh, slow-mo, not slow-mo, just to see if, you know, the stoppage is warranted. And it it definitely has has shades of, of some suspect stoppage, but you got to look at it like this. It's a title fight. You know that any opportunity that presents itself you're as, as, an, as an opponent and not as a champion, you're, you're pretty much backed into a corner to lose. That's how I see it. I do feel that Ronda Rousey's striking was definitely improved. Is she the best striker in the women's division like everybody's touting? Not really. Now, the beauty of this is that Rousey now is going to give herself a nice bit of a break. And there's a there's a an announcement from Cyborg that I'm going to be talking about later on in the segment, which I'm sure is going to make a lot of you guys happy. But Ronda looked good in a fight. She didn't take any damage. On the contrary, I think Ronda Rousey could probably come back and take a third fight. But she definitely, uh, you know, she needs a, she needs the break. And, um, you know, Jay says that they're protecting Ronda a bit. You know what the problem is? You have a dominant champion. Well, two dominant fighters, both undefeated. In Ronda's case, she had to make a statement to validate her career in the sense that she's going in there against another undefeated Olympian and all the chips were on the line. If Ronda would have lost, her mystique would have been broken and that would have been it. But the beauty of her finishing in non-armbar fashion is that she's showing the 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 other competitors in the women's division that she started to become more well-rounded. It's not just about setups for arm bars. It's about the striking and it's also about the footwork. She had really good footwork in that fight and I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with her performance. Uh, GFQ Human says that the fact that Sarah screamed in pain probably made Herb Dean stop it faster. It's true. That's definitely something you have to consider um, considering that the refs look at anything like that, not intelligently, uh, intelligently defending yourself, uh, any winces, any cries of pain, any verbal tap outs. All of this stuff is things that you have to consider. But I will say this, no disrespect, Sarah McMahon went in there. She wasn't afraid to stand and bang. She really did go in there uh, working some right hands in. But Ronda Rousey was on another level that night. Now, this, of course, opens up a ton of questions. Uh, number one. Who, what challenger does she have? I mean, there's Alexis Davis, possibly Kat Zingano waiting in the wings, or Cyborg. Now, before 
before you guys think to yourselves, how is Cyborg in the picture? We'll get into that in a few minutes. But overall, the card was really good. But I will tell you this. Had Cormier not had a fight and he would have been off that card, the amount of people that would have been that would have been spending $60 definitely would have would have been substantially smaller. I don't care what Dana White says. You know, oh, yeah, this is the most important women's fight, blah, blah, blah. Listen, every fight is an important fight, but you have to make sure that people are invested and willing to, to drop $60. Simple as that. That's the problem that people are having. It's not so much the fights themselves. It's too many fights and not enough reasoning to drop $60. But overall, I feel that Cormier's performance and Rousey's performance redeem this card quite a bit. All right, so with regards to the MMA news for this week, which, holy shit, there's there's definitely a lot to discuss. Uh, Before we get into it, this week's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get all your favorite fighter t-shirts, rash guards, and professional gear at MMAWarehouse.com. You'll see their banners in our MMA posts as well as on MyTakeRadio.com. All right, let's talk fighter bonuses. $50,000 bonuses were handed out for UFC 170. Uh, Performance bonus number one went to Ronda Rousey. Performance bonus number two went to Steven Steven Thompson. And fight bonus went to Rory McDonald and Damian Maya. Now, here are the big news. Uh, Chris Cyborg Justino, no longer Santos, released a statement to Access TV and Inside MMA of her intent to drop to 135 pounds. So that is that's fucking huge. It's huge because this lady was saying that she couldn't make the drop to 135 because she was having uh, she was going to have problems, health problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She has gone on record releasing a statement that she is going to drop down to 135 and she's going to retire Ronda Rousey. It was it was a, a powerful statement. Uh, Tito Ortiz, of course, uh, known for saying that it was impossible for Cyborg to make 135. Well, it's really not impossible. Tito, of course, removed himself as her manager to make this fight possible. Cyborg currently fights in Invicta in the, at 145 pounds. Uh, she will make the cut to 135. Now, of course, Dana White, first thing he said, oh, well, she needs to get a couple of fights at 135 before we start talking about her fighting Ronda Rousey. I'm sorry, but in this instance, I disagree with Dana White. Number one, she's a champion in another organization. So she is a champion. Number two, who else do you have? Number three, don't you want fucking money? That's the question. This is the fight that we've wanted. This is the fight that we need. Think about it. The only other fight, maybe Rousey and Gina Carano. And unless Gina Carano takes one of her tits off, she's not going to make 135. It's not happening. This is the fight. This is, you know, Ali Frazier. This is this is it. Now, the crazy thing is, um, you know, Ronda said that Cyborg was making a state uh, was was dropping to 135 uh, because she was looking for a payday so she could retire. This was Cyborg's words. And I quote, in reference to Ronda's statement that I'm looking for a payday so I can retire. You're right. I'm looking for a payday to retire you like I retired Gina Carano. But to show that it's not about the money, I challenge you to a fight. Winner takes all or better yet. Let's fight for free anytime, anywhere. Ask your daddy Dana to make it happen. So Cyborg, Cyborg's not playing. 
This is this is legit beef. This is Tito Ken beef. This is on that level. And for you not to make this fight happen, for you to put stone walls and roadblocks to make this happen, listen, the only factors here are drug testing and can she make weight? If she, you know, if she works with Mike Dolce and she makes the cut to 135, the only other concern we have is performance enhancing drugs. And if you test her before the fight and you test her after the fight, that's it. She went on to say, my English is not that great, so sorry if I was misunderstood. I didn't literally mean that I would die if I made 135. What I meant was that my doctor recommended that I did not fight the rest of my career at 135, which is what the UFC wanted. I have fought at 154 in the Olympics and 145 in MMA. You can meet me at 140. Easier for me to go down to 135. The only reason you want to fight at 135 is because you feel that is your only chance because you hope the weight cut will affect me. You guys say I'm irrelevant, yet you watch my highlights. The true MMA fans not only know me, but know that I'm the best. Sad that you give the true MMA fans no recognition by saying they don't matter. So there you have it. The fight, the fight she she wanted. She's willing to make the cut to 135. Dana, the ball's in your court, dude. I mean, you got a great relationship with Shannon Knapp and Invicta. This is a huge fight. You can co-promote it, and you could swim in money like Scrooge McDuck. It's it's a no-brainer, and I'm serious when I say this. Who else do you have besides Holly Holm? So unless you plan on signing Holly Holm to a contract and giving her an immediate title fight, you you really don't have much else to offer. Sure, you can do Alexis Davis, and that would be a good fight, but why not give the fans the fight they want? And I'm sorry, but Ronda is going to keep mainstreaming and mainstreaming, and she too will tiptoe out of the organization because she's going to realize that she can make triple the money she makes now and not get punched in the face and not need to cut weight and not need to deal with all the press. Now, here's here's a funny thing about the press this week. Ronda Rousey is not only fighting with Cyborg, but she's also exchanging jabs with MMA ring girl Ariane Celeste. Now, The funny thing about this statement is that the beef that's going on here, it's not really a beef per se. It's just somebody voicing an opinion. But of course, things like this tend to snowball. So let's talk about Ariane Celeste. You guys know who she is. You guys seen her hold the ring card. She's been uh, naked in Playboy. She's been arrested. Um, She has an Instagram that's definitely worth following, a Twitter, whatever the case is. But we all know who she is. Anyway. She said, I don't like the way Ronda Rousey carries herself. I don't think she's a good role model for women. I think that women should empower each other and give each other a little pat on the back. With regards to uh, Ronda's fight, she said, they work their tails off and they're doing it just as good as the boys. I really like Sarah McMahon's energy. She had really good energy, so good for her for being up there and headlining a UFC card. Now, now here's here's the thing about this particular instance. Ariane Celeste feels that Ronda Rousey is not a good role model. So before I get into this, let me just pop this uh, blue monster energy can and get right to it. Ariane Celeste was arrested and she's been naked twice. I've seen, we've seen all her naughty bits and uh, she holds a ring card. 
That's it. She doesn't fight. And, you know, she does what she does. Ronda Rousey is an Olympian, which, you know, makes her a role model if, if you want if you want to be one. And she's undefeated in the sport. And she's, she, she performs well. Is she a villain? Absolutely. Is it one of those things where she, she's knowing she's doing the right things to push people's buttons? Of course. But here's the thing. Being, being a mixed martial artist isn't just about your, your performance in the cage. It's also about how you work outside of the cage. You have to build yourself as a brand. You have to make people want to give a shit about you. You want to make people want to part with money to watch you fight. This is why people tune in to see Chael fight. Chael can fight all the time and lose all the time, but he does a great job of promoting fights. Nobody comes into this sport in the worlds of Charles Barkley. I am not a role model. Ronda Rousey doesn't walk out there saying I'm a role model or not. Nobody, nobody, nobody should walk out there. No mixed martial artist should walk out there saying they are a role model. You want to know why? Because they're not infallible. Shit happens. John Jones was, you know, God tier. Everybody thought John Jones was the savior of mixed martial arts. Guy goes, gets wasted, wraps a car around the tree, fucks up his, derails his whole career. You know? Now, GFQ Human says, the villain attitude is not the way of a martial artist, in my opinion. And you know what? I understand that. But you also have to look at it that you're not only a martial artist, but you are an entertainer. Your job is to go out there and fight competitively, but also entertain because that's what makes you attractive to sponsors, that's what makes you attractive to placements on the card, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I do agree. You know, the true way of a martial artist is to be humble and to carry yourself in an honorable way. But we're also in the business of making fucking money. And at some point, honor and money kind of kind of start, you know, one starts outweighing the other. I, I agree with your opinion and I respect that. And it's true. But we all are in this to get paid. Seriously. We're all in this to get paid. Anybody that talks about, like when GSP talks about, you know, I do this for the martial arts. I don't do it for the money. You're full of shit. Yeah, you do it for, for, for to test yourself. And you do what, you know, you do that as, a, as an athlete. But you like the money. You like being able to sign chicks boobs at Bacardi parties, GSP. So don't talk shit. Which if, if you're smart and you've gone to Middle Easy or MMA Junkie, you see a picture of GSP signing some this chick's boobs at a uh, Bacardi party uh, a couple of weeks back. The fact is, people want, thank you Val, people want trash talk, people want the drama. Anybody who gets bent out of shape about fighters trash talking or, or being villains of the sport, maybe you never saw Muhammad Ali, maybe you never saw Mike Tyson, maybe you've never watched those type of fights to understand that that's a that's a big part of this entire thing people don't people think that it's just these two individuals step into the cage they beat the shit out of each other they walk out and that's it that's not it you have countless interviews countless radio interviews countless print interviews podcasts uh media appearances etc 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 every one of these events is created to generate buzz, to generate interest, and to make people want to give a shit. 
Now, it's true. Ariane Celeste, a lot of people attacked her on Twitter, and they were like, you know, you're full of shit. You're a fucking bitch. You know, you're out there with your, with your tits hanging out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact of the matter is, Ariane Celeste is entitled to her opinion. She's entitled to her opinion. And all she did was, was state the opinion of a lot of casual MMA fans. You know? A lot of casual MMA fans are going to say, oh, you know, Ronda Rousey's a bitch. And it's true. After you watch the season of the Ultimate Fighter she was in, it's very easy to see that she's a bitch. But you know what? If you follow her on Instagram and you start seeing like a glimpse into her personal life, you see that you know she's a pretty she's a pretty chill chick that likes to have a good time and hang out with her people and have her pets and all this shit. That's what it is. You got to remember, you switch it off. See, I come on air every night. I flip a switch. This is me most of the time. I'd like to say 90% of the time, this is how I am. And yeah, I flip the switch and go up to go up to 100. It happens. You go up to 100 and you dial it in. It's part of entertaining. It's part of doing your job. So yes, Ariane Celeste has a point that maybe, you know, she's not a good role model. But I've never seen Ronda Rousey sit there and say that she was. You know, on the contrary, I think more girls are learning about judo and learning about mixed martial arts and trying to improve themselves just based on watching her fight. That's it. That's that's all it's about at this point. At the end of the day, it's what you do for the sport. Everybody talks about Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time. But if you watch old NBA tapes and you hear some of the shit Michael Jordan says to some of his competition, same thing with Isaiah Thomas. Charles Barkley, Charles Oakley. I can go down a list of all your favorite athletes and they've all talked shit. It's about being competitive. It's about being at the pinnacle of your sport. That's it. Is Ariane Celeste in the right? Sure. She's entitled to her opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. She is entitled to her opinion. But to say that Ronda Rousey's not a good role model, you know what? Well, pot, meat, kettle... Because neither are you. You walk around with a ring card, you know, ring card, ring card, and that's it. Yeah, you do Maxim, you do FHM, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what else do you do? You know, what, what else are you doing? You know, if she was training to fight or she was teaching or she was doing something like that, it's different. It's different than, than, a, than a girl like Brittany Palmer. Brittany Palmer also a ring card girl, but she's also an artist. She's involved in other projects. She does what she does. And the best part of it is she keeps her mouth shut. Because like I've always said, all women secretly hate each other. Anybody who be who begs to differ, by all means, feel free to tell me that. Feel free to tell me, Rich, you're wrong because of X. But all women secretly hate each other you know that's it so please but before anybody says oh well you know ronda's not a you know she's not good for the sport or ariani is right realize all women hate each other they do they do how many of you have female friends that you go out with and they say hello to their to their home girl or their female friend. And when the girl leaves the room, she's like, oh, did you see her shoes, her ratty shoes? 
or the least that bitch could have done was get her nails done before she came out. All women hate each other. The sooner we realize this, the easier it'll be to understand everything in life. That is the great big secret. That is the great big secret. Simple as that. Val says, uh, Ronda's got women's MMA on front street. And JFQ Human says, I know what Ro that Ronda being a villain makes it more exciting. It's true because you just said it a couple of paragraphs back. You want to see her get beaten. So in turn, you will go and buy a pay-per-view or you will tune in to watch her fight. Because even in that respect, you want to see her lose. In which sense, the UFC wins as usual. Anyway, let's get into some of the other news from this week. Um, Patrick Cummins' status, everybody thought he went out there and he, he did pretty decent against uh, Daniel Cormier. But again, he took this fight on 10 days notice, so he will be getting another fight in the UFC. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's well-deserved. The guy took the fight on 10 days notice. He went in there, hung with a guy who's, you know, a pretty high-tiered high guy in the, in the organization. He deserves it. Now, the big shocker this week, besides the Ariane Celeste thing, the TRT, was Gilbert Melendez. As many of you know, last week I said Gilbert Melendez signed, uh, well, actually signed to Strike Force. I mean, Strike, uh, excuse me, signed to Bellator, but the UFC had the opportunity to match. Now, here, here's the kicker UFC re signed. Gilbert Melendez to a new contract and not only that but he will be on the season 20 ultimate fighter coaching alongside Anthony Pettis which of course leads to a fight for the title now before I get into it to answer Val's question I didn't think the stoppage was too quick I definitely felt it was questionable but you know it could have gone any other it could have gone either way maybe if she would have got up faster Maybe not. Who knows? But I did, I, did, I did touch on it a little bit. Thank you for the assist, GFQ Human. Um, as I was saying, Gilbert Melendez definitely took the fight to the UFC and won. So Gilbert Melendez not only considered one of the best lightweights that has not been champion in the UFC, but definitely beat the machine by beating them at the game that obviously hasn't worked well for many other fighters. Um, on February 14th, Bellator had announced that they had agreed to a contract with Melendez, but UFC held the right to match. Now, UFC exercised that right to do so, and in turn, Gilbert Melendez not only gets a title opportunity, but gets to coach the season of the Ultimate Fighter with the ladies opposite Anthony Showtime Pettis. Now, people, get, people are going to be bent out of shape because you don't get your Jose Aldo Showtime Pettis super fight, but... I think Gilbert Melendez and Showtime are going to do very well on the Ultimate Fighter. There's going to be ample shit talking, and it's going to be a solid, solid season. Now, the beauty of this is that Melendez and Pettis are going to coach uh, women for the new 115-pound division. And let me tell you, that division is stacked with not only good-looking girls, but girls that know how to play this game. They know how to fight. They know how to market themselves. You know, Carla Esparza, Felice Herrig. Uh, Tessia Torres, the list goes on. These are all uh, competent, dangerous women that definitely can make a statement 
in the UFC. And the beauty of this tournament and this season is that the season's winner will be crowned the first strawweight champion. So there you have it. Definitely uh, very huge. Uh, the show's going to start filming in May, and it will be debuting in September on Fox Sports 1. So there you go. Mark that down on your calendars. Uh, UFC Fight Night 39, which is taking place April 11th in Abu Dhabi, has been finalized. Of course, you'll be able to watch that on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, your main event, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, is going to be taking on Roy Nelson. Clay Guida and Tatsuya Kawajiri are the co-main. Uh, Talis Latis will be on that card. Ramsey Najem. Uh, Ronnie Yaya, pretty pretty decent card for the Abu Dhabi show, April 11th, and that will be on UFC Fight Pass. The Ultimate Fighter Brazil with Vanderlei and Chael. I got to break some bad news to you guys. It is not going to be televised. So before you get your 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 you start salivating and 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 gnawing at your hand in in anticipation and excitement. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. On the contrary, I think that deserves this. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. That being that the only way you can catch the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva, will be by using the UFC Fight Pass. Sorry to break it to you guys. Uh, Chael and Vanderlei will face off May 31st in Brazil, but the season can only be watched on the UFC Fight Pass. Sorry to break it to you guys. It's going to run you uh, $9.99 if you want to do it. And um, yeah, a lot of people are pissed off because this is a season that if it goes on TV, we'll get people involved, we'll get people noticed, we'll get people fucking hyped. Unfortunately, that is not the case. May 31st, they fight in Brazil. The season will be on UFC Fight Pass. Of course, tomorrow, get your free MMA fix with Bellator 110 taking place at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. The main card, of course, will air on Spike TV. The prelims will air on Spike.com, and hopefully, if we're able to get things squared away, you may be able to watch them on MyTakeRadio.com as well. Uh, the main card, of course, your light heavyweight tournament semifinals, uh, Desmond Green, Mike Richmond, Will Martinez, and uh, Giotti Yamanucci are the featherweight uh, tournament opening round fights. Uh, also, Matt Bissett and Diego Nunez is also a featherweight tournament opening round fight. Meanwhile, the light heavyweight tournament semifinals, uh, King Mo Lawal will be taking on Mikhail Syatz, and Christian Umfumbu will be taking on Quentin Rampage Jackson. So there you have it. Rampage is in the light heavyweight Bellator tournament. Uh, you'll be able to catch that starting at 9 p.m. on Spike TV. They got themselves a brand new sponsor, which is Monster Energy. Hopefully, Monster Energy will toss us some money eventually as well, considering how much I drink this shit. Anyway, Bellator 110 tomorrow night. Another finalized card, UFC 171. Big, big fights. Get your pay-per-view dollars ready. Uh, the main event, Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler for the vacant welterweight title, of course, vacated by GSP. That's happening March 15th. Uh, Carlos Condit, Tyron Woodley is your co-main. Miles Jury will be facing Diego Sanchez, Hector Lombard, and Jake Shields, and Nikita Krylov will be taking on Ovens St. Prue. Now on the prelims, which are on Fox Sports 1, those begin at 8. Kevin Gastelum, Rick Story, Jessica Andrade, and Raquel Pennington, Dennis Bermudez and Jimmy Hetz, and Alex Garcia taking on Sean 
Spencer. There you have it. Those are the fights. UFC 179, uh, 171, excuse me. Mark that down on your calendars for March 15th. Now, of course, everyone's pumped for this fight. UFC Fight Night 38, Shogun Henderson 2. That's taking place March 23rd. So remember, March 15th, UFC 171. March 23rd, Shogun Henderson 2, which will be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, that fight alone is worth free TV. Do yourselves a favor and watch that. Dan Henderson and Shogun are going to swing for the fences. It's going to be the walking dead with the amount of violence that will be dispensed in that fight. Um, I kid you not. If you want to see a, 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 an amazing display, a Rocky level fight, do yourselves a favor. YouTube uh, uh, Shogun versus Henderson. First fight. No, no, no. Shogun is fighting Dan Henderson, not Ben Henderson. <laughs> definitely not. I definitely... I, don't get me wrong. Shogun and Ben Henderson would be amazing. But uh, Shogun and Hendo, excuse me, Dan Henderson, is the fight for March 23rd. Again, if you didn't see their first fight, you're doing yourselves an incredible disservice by not checking that fight out because it was ridiculous. Now, of course, it wouldn't be an MMA segment without talking about Nate Diaz, who asked for a release from his UFC contract. Get this on Twitter. He said, and I quote, at UFC at Dana White, I would like to request to be released from the UFC. It's time for me to be on my way. Now, of course, I think Nate Diaz is trying to uh, dangle the carrot, much like uh, Gilbert Melendez did, but... I don't think that doing it on Twitter is going to be the way to do it. But Nate Diaz, got to love the Diaz brothers. Those guys, they, they're insane. And I got to watch them fight. I, I, as much as people loathe the Diaz brothers, they bring something different to the sport. They're not likable, but they're some, they're some of the realest motherfuckers out there. So let's see if he gets his release or not. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um, but for you to do it on Twitter... You're clearly not giving a damn in the least. Now, of course, the big news, TRT and, be, and it being banned, the Nevada State Athletic Commission unanimously voted today to ban therapeutic use exemptions for testosterone replacement therapy. The ban, which was proposed by, uh, excuse me, Raymond Skip Avancino is effective immediately for all fighters, including ones previously granted exceptions exemptions that will not be allowed to apply for any fights in the states anybody anybody that currently has TRT exemptions this includes Vitor Chael uh Bigfoot Silva couple of guys uh I believe Dan Henderson the list goes on the fact is no more TRT it is a level playing field now, the UFC, of course, fully supports the decision made by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And not only that, but they will be implementing the same exemptions. I mean, the same ban for any fights that they are the governing body. In other words, if they are doing it in international markets and the UFC is governing the fights, there will be no more TRT exemptions. The UFC will oversee all regulatory efforts for live events. And they encourage all athletic commissions to adopt this ruling. Obviously, this ban will affect Vitor, who intended to apply for an exemption for his fight 
with Chris Weidman at UFC 173. Vitor has undergone TRT therapy since 2011. So there you have it, guys. TRT is done for, not only in Las Vegas, but also in international markets where the UFC is the governing body. Uh, very, very interesting. A lot of fighters are saying that at some point this this has definitely had to happen. Uh, Brian Stan went on record saying, I knew the day would come at some point that we would wake up and realize how ridiculous it is to grant testosterone exemptions for TRT. Travis Brown also stated, and it was funny because he actually said that he had low testosterone levels and opted to not use TRT. He said, we're all physically built different, and that's part of our bodies with our testosterone levels. I want an 84-inch uh, reach, but at the end of the day, I can't get it because something is available to you in a synthetic form doesn't mean that it's okay to take it. So there you have it. It's, it's, it's very, very crazy. Uh, GFQ Human is, is having a stroke in there uh, because he wanted Vitor to, to get the title. Who knows? Let's, 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 not, let's not really sweep this under the rug. Because if Vitor wins without any TRT, it doesn't. It, it's a, It's about the natural ability of the fighter. If you're if you're as good as you say you are, and you and you've had help thus far, and you take that help away, and you're still dangerous, you're still deadly, and you're still going out there fucking people up. Then guess what? You didn't need the TRT because the skills were in here. And the heart was in here. You could take testosterone therapy till your balls become the size of my desk. And the fact is, TRT doesn't breed heart and TRT doesn't improve striking. And TRT does not fix a glass jaw. If you got a glass jaw, that shit's getting broke. If you got no heart, you're gonna quit. There's no supplement on this planet that will give you heart. That will, that will remove your ability to quit. If you're getting your jaw broken or your legs or arms broken, the fact is you're going to quit. That's it. TRT is an assist, but TRT will never give you heart and skills still have to be learned regardless. I can go and take TRT and walk into a cage at my local UFC gym and I'd probably get my ass kicked. Why? Because TRT isn't making, you know, it's not, improving my my sprawl it's not improving my submission defense it's not improving my striking you know these are the these are the facts none of that matters none of it and and the ufc they did it right no trt fuck you guys go out there prove that you're the best the old-fashioned way if you watch spartacus on stars there was no t i'm sure there was trt <laughs> I'm sure there was a different type of TRT back then, but those motherfuckers went in there and they killed each other in front of a crowd with spears and knives and swords. And that's it. The only thing that they did was learn how to not get stabbed in the chest or learn how to not take a hatchet to the, to the skull, you know, and GFQ human, you are a hundred percent right in saying that if Vitor wins without TRT, the haters will have no excuses. I am a hundred percent right. With regards to that, if you are good, then you are good. Plain and simple. Michael Bisping feels that Vitor Belfort is a cheat 
He said Vitor's a cheat. Simple as that. He'll go out and try to find another way to cheat. He'll find another way of manipulating the system or he'll try. For a guy that talks about Jesus, you should want to step in there the way God intended him to be. He is a hypocrite. <laughs> so there you have it. Uh, v Michael Bisping putting the screws to Vitor Belfort with his statement. Um, I'm actually gonna gonna copy and paste that and share it in the uh, in the chat room. This is the statement that Bisping said, and um, it's it's pretty funny. He talks about Vitor saying he believes in Jesus in in Jesus. He should go in there and fight the way God intended. I I got to give credit where credit is due. But again, if Vitor goes in there without TRT and wins, it's it's a whole other ball game. Anyway. With that said, that actually is going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Of course, make sure to check out our sponsor, MMAWarehouse.com. Of course, you can find their banners throughout MyTakeRadio.com, but definitely go there and pick up some cool-ass gear. I got a couple of T-shirts from those guys, and they definitely have great equipment. Anyway, it's that time. You know what time it is. It is time to talk some wrestling. So, without any further ado, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! All right, so it's easy to say that we can really, really get into this week's wrestling segment because of what happened uh, at the Elimination Chamber. The Elimination Chamber, my friends, was... Holy shit. It definitely was amazing. But it was amazing for many, many different reasons. Now, of course, everybody's going to talk about uh, the Randy Orton uh, title, you know, the, the, the title retention, so to speak. But there, there was more to it. There was more to the Elimination Chamber than that. And first and foremost, uh, the, let's talk about the kickoff show. Cody Rhodes and Goldust taking on Ryback and Curtis Axel. Uh, it was it was tremendous. Um, really, really good, solid opener. Uh, Goldust hitting a beautiful flying Hurricane Rana. Um, the fact is that it was it was a really great match, a really great contrast of styles. Uh, Cody Rhodes getting the victory was solid. Keeps the momentum of the Rhodes brothers going. I, I really liked the match. I felt it was a great, great opener. But the, the the fires of the solid opener can only get hotter after Big E and Jack Swagger really stole the show with their physical and amazing match. Now, a lot of people talk about, you know, Jack Swagger's mic ability. And it's true. Uh, his mic ability is shit. We all know this. Every time Jack Swagger picks up the mic, it's very easy to just... Because it just it just comes naturally because he's that type of a fucking dunce cap when he's out there cutting promos. But with regards to wrestling, him and Big E Langston definitely worked well together. Uh, really great power match with a lot of good speed and athleticism. Both guys looked super impressive. Jay says Big E and Swagger was great. Didn't get the credit it deserves. I agree. A tremendous match, definitely shows swagger, definitely has shades of brilliance in his repertoire, especially working with a guy like Big E. Both guys really came out looking well in this match and, again, definitely stole the show. Uh, the New Age Outlaws and the Usos squared off. 
for the tag team titles in a match that was, again, a solid match with great psychology ruined uh, by the typical roll-up ending. Now, it's very easy to say that the Usos are probably going to win the belts at WrestleMania, give them their WrestleMania moment. Very easy to say, and it may go that route. But the titles on the New Age Outlaws, again, it's not a bad thing. The guys are flag bearers for the division right now, and the tag team ranks are starting to take a little bit of a, a little shape, a little bit. And in the Usos predicament, the, the loss didn't really hurt them because they lost to the champs and they lost in a fashion that wasn't truly decisive. So take that for what it's worth. Darren Young and Titus O'Neil. Um, I really felt that you could have dragged this on a little more before giving him a pay-per-view match. Uh, Titus O'Neil took the victory with his finisher, Clash of the Titus. Uh, these guys, definitely, there's a lot of chemistry there. They work very well together. Um, but again, I think the match needed not only to be a little bit longer than, I think it clocked in at like six minutes, but you needed a better buildup. You needed this this beef to go on to culminate to a fight at WrestleMania. And it would just be back and forth, back and forth, tag team fights, uh, singles fights, interfering in each other's matches, and give everyone the payoff at WrestleMania. Rushing this into the pay-per-view to fill, to fill time, I understand why they did it, but realistically, I felt that it was too, it was too soon to go that route. I think they really could have just waited and dragged it out a little bit. Now, I didn't play any music this week because I wanted to play the music for the Shield and then I wanted to play the music for the Wyatts, but holy shit is the only way I can sum up this match. It was every every spot from start to finish was just ridiculous. These six individuals are the future of this company. Period. You can talk about your Antonio Cesaros. You can talk about uh, your Big E Langstons. You can talk about anybody on that roster, including NXT. But these six guys, these six guys busted their ass in that match. And they definitely deserved every accolade that was thrust upon them. They, they, it was, they, they killed it. They really did kill it. Val says Reigns went more than five moves. Well, it wasn't so much Reigns, but it was just the chemistry and what was done in this match. Don't get me wrong. Reigns going beyond five moves or lasting longer than five minutes. It was it, it was uh, just the sum of all parts. It was, you know, five lions forming Voltron. It was six wrestlers forming an amazing match. Period. Now. Quark says that the two Wyatt boys are Buriedsville once Bray is done with them. The personalities, the character build, the chemistry was perfect. That's what Jay said. Here's, here's how it goes. Every, every person in this match was essential in making this match work. Now, I, I, I give Quark credit in saying that when you take those two guys away from Bray Wyatt, the, their level of success is going to be a lot harder because they're going to have to work Twice as hard to stay in the spotlight. But until then, these six men are the fucking truth. Period. It is, it is, it is one of the best tag team matches. It, it, Quark says, nah, dude, they're just big. That's about it. You know what the funny thing is? 
How many big guys do we got that are fucking clogging up the roster and suck? They're good. Yeah, they're not great. I understand that. But in terms of a tag team to keep the tag team division active, there's definitely there's definitely potential for those guys. In a tag team division where you have the Usos and the New Age Outlaws, you can still keep the Wyatt family in there and they're still a cog in the machine. It's not a big cog, but they do what they got to do. I will say this, Luke Harper doesn't get the credit he deserves. His work on the independent scene, very, very good. If you watch Luke Harper's work on the independent scene, you will see that there's a lot more to him than the Wyatt family, you know, than just the Wyatt family. If you've noticed over the last couple of weeks, they're, they're being involved more in the promos. They're starting to get some personality, which is good. You know, of course, Quark, Quark is over there talking that shit. Um, yeah, exactly. Brody Lee. Thank you, Jay. Look up Brody Lee on YouTube. Get familiar. Uh, very agile, very athletic big man. And yes, he's in the Wyatt gimmick and it works and it does the job. But there's definitely more to him than just the Wyatt gimmick. So do yourselves a favor. A little YouTube goes a long way. As for the match itself, tremendous. Tremendous from start to finish. Just a, a ridiculous match. Now, let's go into a Divas Championship match, which pretty much was, you know... That's what it was. It was Cameron taking up some time until Naomi gets back. You knew AJ was going to retain. They weren't going to give the belts to Cameron. I mean, they weren't going to give the belt to Cameron. So academic. It was three minutes and 52 seconds. You know, and it's funny. Quark is saying Reigns match on Monday was yawn. It's funny. And we're going to get into that. And if you have an opportunity, Quark, you know, I definitely would like for you to call in for that. Uh, just because I think that your interpretation of the match and mine are going to be uh, very interesting for people to talk about. Uh, Batista and Alberto Del Rio was, for all intents and purposes, a glorified squash. It was a 10-minute match that didn't click. The crowd wasn't into it. It was pretty much, you know... Boo! Boo! That was it. That was, that was pretty much that entire match. And there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Batista, nobody cares about him. On the contrary, they, they, I think the crowd just just viciously hates his fucking guts. And Alberto Del Rio at this point is there for a paycheck. We don't even know if he's going to stay past WrestleMania. He doesn't give a shit. Here's a guy. He has zero charisma, zero personality, doing the job to a guy that just came back. He could just as easily go to Mexico, swim in money, and and that's it. Like Alberto Del Rio at this point doesn't even need to stay in the company because he's not adding anything. If he left tomorrow, no one would shed a tear. Simple as that. Let's talk Elimination Chamber match. Now, of course, the Elimination Chamber match had a lot of great spots. Christian's Frog Splash was beautiful. And even up until the first bell, I swore Christian wasn't going to make it. But I got to give Quark credit where credit is due. He called Randy Orton retaining. He called it. He, he, he deserves the kudos for it. So there you have it. Cork was right. Randy Orton did retain. 
of course, with a little help from the Wyatts, but I, I'm, I'm happy that Christian wasn't eliminated first. I'm happy that Cesaro got a lot of, a lot of good moves in. And once again, Daniel Bryan gets screwed. As for the elimination chamber itself, it was a good pay-per-view. Uh, the match was about almost, almost 40 minutes, a uh, good chamber match, really great inventive spots, but I'll tell you this chamber Six-man tag. Tell me, was the Elimination Chamber match better than the Shield versus the Wyatts? I'm curious, because I felt that the Shield versus the Wyatts not only should have been contested in the Chamber, but was just a better match with less star power. The crowd was electric. They were super into it. It was was insane. But I want to hear from you guys. Do you think that the Elimination Chamber match was better than the six-man tag, or not. Definitely sound off in the comments, and uh, of course, we will read them on air. Now, here's the thing that gets me. When you see this match, and you replay it, you say to yourself, holy shit, that match was really good. Then you look at the Elimination Chamber, which is, you know, the, the signature match, and you're like, oh, that match was all right. Now, like I said, if the if the Wyatts and the Shield would have had their match in the chamber, would it have been an even better match, or what, or is it just fine the way it is? Because me personally, I felt that if that match would have been in the chamber, it would have been insane. It would have probably taken taken it to another level. Not to say that competing in the ring wasn't good and took away from the match. But doing it in the chamber, it just would have felt right, especially with the Wyatts being involved. Now, again, everybody has a different opinion on it, but I would have liked to have seen that match contested in the chamber. All right, so overall, out of out of a possible 10, I got to say that the Elimination Chamber was, was an 8.5, even a 9, taking away that Divas match. I definitely want to say that out of a 10, it was, it was definitely 8.5 or 9. A lot of solid matches, a lot of great performances by by the by all parties involved. Um, of course, the road to WrestleMania is paved officially post elimination chamber. We had the launch of the network Monday night, which led to numerous fucking problems. And uh, let's get right into Raw then. So I, I'm gonna say before we talk about Raw, let's talk about the launch of the WWE Network. I say this because we have dealt with launches for countless things forever. Whether it's the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, Windows 7, the newest iPhone, the newest Android device, numerous product launches, shit doesn't run smooth. Anybody who woke up Monday morning and thought that the launch of the network was not going to have any fucking problems, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. You're a fucking dumbass. Period. If you didn't think that millions of wrestling fans would pretty much crash the system, you're fucking stupid. You're you're dumb. You're dumber than... you're, You're a bag of fucking wet hair. Because think about this. You have a brand new platform launching from scratch 
being distributed among set-top boxes, mobile devices, and video game consoles spread across an entire country. Not to mention all the international markets that have access. And yet you didn't think for one second that something was not going to work. You're insane. You're not going to see WWE's network run smoothly for at least two weeks. At least two weeks. And it's funny because I posed on our fan page, how is the uh, WWE network working for you? And I got to just read a couple of comments. Um, Alex Reyes says, the WWE network is working fine. Haven't had a problem at all. Been watching it nonstop. Josh Dorman from uh, uh, one of the VGN listeners, WWE network is running much better. Mind you, he said that today. Yesterday, he said, WWE so far is terrible. Videos won't load or only load the first 10 minutes. It sucks when I'm trying to watch SummerSlam 89. So there you have it. From Wednesday, February 26th to Thursday, February 27th, that guy got his money's worth. Uh, Manny Mendoza said, I haven't had any problems with the WWE Network. I've been able to watch anything I want. Our very own Jay Santee says WWE Network is going to be horrible for a few days. After the initial launch week or so, it will be fine. So far, if it is true to what sites are saying, the registration for the network is staggering. So there you go. This was one of those things where everything that was going to happen that that was bad did happen. Simple as that. It did happen. Network failures. Problems with Xbox 360, uh, breaking, you know, pixelated videos, videos that wouldn't load, uh, problems with customer service, uh, negative feedback. It, it's it's all part of the process. A launch like this is historic. It is historic. Even the UFC Fight Pass, when it launched, had its fair share of problems. It is not going to be flawless. It'll probably take. And I'll be honest when I tell you this, it'll take a good month to work out all the bugs to ensure that the network is running on all cylinders for WrestleMania. And that's the kicker. Everybody's talking about, oh, I can't watch a pay-per-view from 10 years ago. Let me tell you guys something. Vince McMahon doesn't give a fuck about you not being able to watch a pay-per-view from 10 years ago. He wants to make sure that you can watch WrestleMania 30. Because that is the flagship. That is the big one. That is the one that has put the company at odds with pay-per-view providers. They want to make sure that shit works. Oh, you can't watch Heatwave 98? Fuck you. <laughs> like, like, that's how it works. Like, that's where Vince is. Damn it, they're complaining about a pay-per-view from 10 years ago. Vince doesn't give a shit. Vince only cares about new shit. NXT. Raw, SmackDown, new programming, and WrestleMania 30. That's it. Jay says, hell, I still can't get on my Xbox. True. I loaded on my PS3, loaded fine. Loaded on my Note 3, worked great. Loaded on my Nexus 7, eh, some pixelation. Loaded on Xbox 360, pretty much the my console gave me the finger because it didn't even want to load. But again, think about what I just said. A tablet, my phone, and two consoles. 
if it works on any of those, I am happy. And that's the shit that gets me. You're complaining because you have some shitty Metro PCS phone that probably has like one cell tower and you can't get to watch SummerSlam from 1989. Are you serious? And that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. People complain about stuff like that. You're, you're using a phone that hasn't been relevant in three years and doesn't even have software updates and you can't watch the network on it. But maybe you own an Apple TV or a Roku box, but you're complaining because you can't watch it on a screen that's that's the you know half the size of this can. Come on, guys. Seriously. And this goes back to what I've said on numerous occasions throughout the show. We are a spoiled fucking society. This is history being made. History. 20 years ago, none of us would have been able to say, hey, we're going to watch all the wrestling we've ever known on one network. Never. Never. 20 years ago, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we would have had this conversation and somebody would have said to me, yeah, you're full of shit. We're never going to have that. Hell, 10 years ago. Thank you, Val. 10 years ago. Nobody would have thought during the Attitude Era that we would be watching wrestling on our consoles from when we were little kids like this to grown-ass adults like we are now. Well, most of us anyway. Seriously. 10 years ago, I would have thought that how am I going to watch Hogan and the Iron Sheik, uh, the Four Horsemen, WCW Greed, uh, Goldberg winning the belt, uh, the Montreal Screwjob all in one night. All, all in one night because I was bored. Come on. Val says, five years ago, we couldn't even conceive an app on a phone to watch high-definition media. That's what I'm saying. This is the shit we're talking about. We are fucking spoiled. We are spoiled. You know, these are, these are the same people. The people complaining about the WWE Network are the same people complaining that there's no Wi-Fi on an airplane. And they fail to remember the fact that they're flying in a giant fucking tube across the world. They don't even think about that. They don't even respect that. They don't respect that. They don't respect the fact that you can stick your hands in a hand dryer made by a company that never existed and you don't even have to touch anything. We live in a, we live in a day and age where there are vending machines for hot food. Hot food vending machines. Come on. Seriously? And that's what that's what irks me. People, people, the, their sense of entitlement really supersedes their common sense. Yes, the network, we all want to watch it. We all want to enjoy it. But the shit may not work. It may not work. Come on. Who would have thought that Netflix would be putting out original shows? Sure as hell wasn't me. You know? Jay says, I can pee in a urinal and walk away and it'll flush itself. Yes. Not only that, but you don't need the, the big white mint. Don't eat the big white mint. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, that's the kind of shit I, I got. And that was a, a, a roadhouse reference for those of you that are uh, my age or a little older. You'll know what I'm talking about. But seriously, it, it, come on, guys, let let the network work its bugs out. If you can watch it on, on your phone or you can watch it on your tablet, or you can watch it on your Apple TV, you're ahead of the game. At least you can watch the shit. 
Seriously. At least you can watch the shit. There you have it. Anyway, I know Quark wanted to call in, so by all means, Quark, if you want to, feel free to call in uh, so we can break down Monday Night Raw. Uh, First thing I got to say is the Raw pre-show on the WWE Network was a nice touch. I really, really like the way they did it. Really like it. I think that the Raw pre-show and the Raw post-show are going to be things that you're going to want to watch, not only because you'll get to get the recaps, but you'll also get a little bit of insight and maybe even some angle advancement. I do like it. I do definitely like it. And um, it's going to it's gonna be something that's going to be huge. Think about NFL pregame or NFL postgame shows. Same thing. The WWE Network is doing it right. De Silva, who lives in Canada, says, on the upside, we might not get the bugs you guys get because he's not able to see uh, get the WWE app until the end of the year. So it's true. Maybe he'll have a better experience than we do because all the bugs will have been worked out by then. But again, we let's look and see. Anyway, Monday Night Raw. Of course, uh, Hulk Hogan comes out and he's rocking a fresh pair of Jordans. Definitely not walking like a geriatric cripple like he was on TNA. Uh, cuts his promos, says he's hosting WrestleMania. Botches it by saying... Uh, the WWE Universe instead of the WWE Network. But, of course, he saved himself and he actually got it to work. Um, Hogan, Hogan being Hogan, whatever. Uh, those of us, we all we all talk shit about Hogan coming back, but you mark out a little bit when Real American hits and he comes out and, you know, he's old and he does what he's got to do. It, it is what it is. Anyway, Batista and Alberto Del Rio, uh, yeah. They had another match. Randall interrupts and Del Rio gets the pin. Now, of course, you know, Randy Orton makes fun of Batista getting booed. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Batista cuts a shitty ass promo and it is what it is. But yeah, it was it was just awkward on all cylinders. Anyway, I see that Quark is in the queue. Let me bring him in. Captain Quark. I'm back, apparently. Yes, welcome back to the party. Have a seat. Drag me in from hell. There you go. So, Monday Night Raw, of course, fresh off the chamber, which, like I was saying, was was pretty badass. Uh, the network pre-show was good. Batista and Del Rio got the ball rollings in what was pretty much a fucking stinker. Thoughts? I liked it. Did you like him? Because- what you were saying uh, last week, you wanted him with the, the the gimmick of coming out in the full body cast. I, I thought it was pretty funny. That was that was amusing, but what got me was the fact that you have Batista and Del Rio as your opening segment, and you need Orton to come and save it because the crowd hated it. Um, it, it's it's bad. I at least at least WWE is really trying to uh, at least they're listening to the fans and turning. Del, uh, not Del Rio, uh, Bautista the face. Uh, Jesus Christ, heel. Excuse me. Yeah, he need, he needs the heel turn, dude, because the, the booze come naturally. But the funny thing about it is that even Orton was like, yo, dude, they fucking think you are shit. I like when he said that the audience just lost their mind. They were so happy. Like, for once, Randy Orton became the face of the company the authorities always wanted. 
Well, that's the funny thing. Randy Orton saved that fucking segment because that match was a fucking was a stinker and a half, dude. You know what's sad when Del Rio is like the fan favorite. Exactly. Like when people are like, oh, yeah, Del Rio. Yeah, whoop Batista's ass. I'm like, wow. I don't even know. Do people like really hate Batista or is it just they're just so mad he's in the main event? Like, is he really that bad? Well, here's here's the kicker with that. People hate Batista because of commentary made by CM Punk in an interview. It's very easy to hate Batista because you say to yourself, this old uh, you know, juiced up motherfucker with Botox face is going to main event a pay-per-view, yet the guy who eats, sleeps, and breathes wrestling took his ball and went home. Now, not that I agree with Punk like taking bitch. his... Ta- not that I agree with what Punk did, but think about it. You bust your ass, you bust your ass, this guy saunters in because he's in a movie, and all of a sudden, yeah, he's going to WrestleMania. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, first when he like premiered, I thought it was Pitbull with the skinny jeans. Seriously, I, like, I thought I thought Batista was was coming back. Can you explain to me why Batista's head looks like the Alien Wear logo? <laughs> Dude, all that <laughs> Botox like, like took a syringe and sucked out all of like old Batista's juice. He looks like a shriveled prune. Dude, Batista Batista's Botox makes him look like the Alien Wear logo with tight pants on. He almost he almost looks like that he almost looks like that alien from that movie with um what the hell was it? With Frost and Simon Pegg? Oh, is it Paul? Oh Paul, yeah, Paul. Paul is Batista. That's it. Fucking terrible, dude. The difference is that Paul was actually interesting. Yep. Batista is sadly not. (laughs) Deal with it. I suck. Yeah, that was deal the best. It. It's like it's like you know you know his t-shirt's going to say fucking deal with it. Dude, even his shirt is whack. <laughs> like how is that even possible? Like you remember remember when Batista was part of Evolution and even when he broke apart from Evolution and have the shirts with like the big ass dragons and shit, you know, real super hardcore gym douchebag shirts, but at least they look cool. Now it's like yo, his shirt is like military green with a shitty with a with a bullshit ass shield. Get out of here. I, I just don't understand. Oh, he's—he uh, looks like the alien from American Dad. Roger. <laughs> Batista's the alien from American Dad. That's it. Okay. Anyway, Biggie and Cesaro. Biggie and Cesaro was was a fucking problem, dude. That entire match was ridiculous. Hitting him with uh, the uh, yeah. While I was watching it, I had a hard time deciding if I liked that match or uh, Biggie's match at uh, the Chamber better. They were both great. They were they were awesome. Cesaro Cesaro getting caught with the using the uh, the Dragon Punch uppercut on Biggie, and Biggie's a big fucking dude. I was like, holy cow! However, it looked like Cesaro broke his fucking neck when he used the neutralizer on him. Oh it yeah, was dude. Painful. I think Big E was just trying to catch himself and land safely, so it looked awkward. But it was funny because as he was about to catch him for the big swing, you know, Jack Swagger runs in all, all piss and vinegar and costs him the match. It was fucking priceless because you know that breakup is inevitable. But still, it was it was it was an awesome match. Those guys work well together again. A lot of power moves, but not enough power moves to make the match suck. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I just wonder, like, who 
of that duo, who's going to get buried first, Cesaro you, or Swagger? You know your boy Jack Swagger's is going to stay with Zeb. Yeah, but you know your boy Jack is getting buried, dude. Oh man, come on, dude! Not Biff Tannen. Yeah, Biff Tannen is getting that burial job. You know that because Zeb oh, is going to go on. with the winner. He's going to go with Cesaro. Zeb is going to go with Cesaro and become face. That doesn't mean Cesaro is going to become face. You can still cheer for Cesaro. Oh, Zeb. man, he's going to be that tweener level. Yep. That's that's how uh, it's going to be. Now, you know, John Cena comes it. out. Jack, Jack Swagger is going to become Del Rio's caddy. <laughs> oh, some, some affirmative action shit. Yes. Nope. <laughs> Can I help you, Mr. Del Rio? Yes, Jack. Pick up my bags. Oh, it's going to be... You, they should just put them in a tag Next team match. together. I told you. When, I said this a while back. Del Rio should just become part of part of the uh, the real Americans and say that, you know, he embraces his American heritage and he's tired of taking his money to support the perros of Mexico. What's the thing? Uh... We're smart, unlike WWE at the time. <laughs> but, you know, it, on the contrary, we, we had that match. We had some good angle advancement. Then Cena comes out. He gets the most awkward ass whooping ever because it, it's uh, like, it's like, did they rip off his ankle? Did they not rip off his ankle? Is he really hurt? Is he not hurt? It was so awkward because think about it. The Wyatt family, they come out and they basically mug you. Like, you know, like you walking down the street on 42nd Street in the 80s. They mug you and beat the fuck out of you. And it's like they beat Cena up and all of a sudden he's like, chill, chill, chill. Stop beating me up. I'm really hurt. And they backed off. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? And then they went back in. Yep. And finished the job. It, it, it looked <laughs> unprofessional. It, it looked really awkward because it's like, I think that the Wyatts were like, yo, did we really hurt him? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Bray Wyatt's like, well, back to Husky Harris, I go. That's what Bray Wyatt said. He's like, fuck, they're going to make me Husky Harris again if I injured this dude. Well, when the one to do the sheet mask, when I saw that he pulled up John Cena's leg, I was like, yep, you're buried, dude. You're gone. Okay, you're going to get replaced with Mason Ryan. See ya. You fuck that. They're John gonna, Cena. Goodbye. They're, they're going to rehire one of the Highlanders and put him in the sheet mask. <laughs> Shit. It was it was weird, and then Christian and Sheamus was another weird match because it's like they're trying to make Sh Christian the heel, but it's like Christian doesn't even need to be heel at this point. Like Sheamus kind of needs the heel turn more than Christian does. It's like in all in all honesty, I think this is Christian's last year, dude. Yeah, he's still good, but he's just getting old. Yep, and he looks it too. He's just getting old. Yeah. He looks like a crackhead. <laughs> Damn, dude. Rec recovering. Recovering, excuse me. Recovering. He was like Jesse Pinkman in the basement. Oh, during Breaking Bad. Yes. Yes. It's funny because Jay's like, yeah, Cena's fine. It's a work. Dude, it, it, it's a work. And I agree. But it was just an awkward ass whooping. Like, it was just bad choreography across the board. It's like, grab my leg, but don't yeah. grab my leg too hard. But wait. It's, maybe maybe it's a sign that John Cena's getting old too. You never know. Hey, I, John Cena probably has you know he has that he he probably has another five years in him, and he's gonna you know he's gonna go home and and bang his Bella twin. He's gonna be like, yo, I'm good. 
twin magic. He swaps out with Daniel Bryan. He just might. He just might. You never know. The you know what's funny? I liked the the uh, the backstage interaction with the with the Shield and the Wyatts because it's just you know Roman Reigns just sunning everybody. He's just like you know, I really don't like you. I'm gonna leave the hounds in the back, and I'm gonna fuck you up. It's like it's like it's like Ving Rhames and Pulp Fiction. <laughs> he's Roman Reigns. He's like, I'll fuck you up in a very boring match with a lot of headlocks, a lot of chin locks, a lot of headlocks. But you know, we we talked about this a while back. You know, when you go past that five minute mark, it's like fuck. But the thing is, with those guys, they both have a very hard hitting style. So it's like after yeah. you do all the really hardcore, like ow, that must have hurt moves. It's like. I need fucking water. <laughs> I was bored during that entire match. I was just disappointed. I was like, "This is what, this is what the the future is." The quote unquote future. The problem, the problem with these guys is that, and and you know, Triple H said in an interview, all these independent guys they need to tell a story. That's all well and good, but your regular guys need to expand their move set. Punch kick, punch kick, headlock, clothesline, Superman punch, headbutt, we're done. Uh-huh. That's it. Val says he needs I, some technical didn't moves. I see anything out of it. Yep. It was just a very paint-by-numbers match. I expect more from Roman Reigns, and he was looking like Curtis Axel out there on a bad day. I think Roman Reigns needs to watch the, the Big E Langston Jack Swagger tape because that's the match that yeah. him and, and Bray Wyatt should have had, like, strong style. But like, oh, that really hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, they needed a more kick punch match as opposed to kick punch headlock match. Yep. And the Daniel Bryan and Kane match was fucking. It was a, a filler match. The only good thing was Daniel Bryan challenging Triple H for the match at WrestleMania, which, you know, it, that, that's pretty much. CM Punk isn't here. This is my spot. But I will say a match with Brian and Triple H makes the most sense just because of the way the storyline has been going. Like CM Punk so shouldn't have been story that the WWE hasn't messed up. Right. And and not for nothing. Everybody like, oh, CM Punk was supposed to face Triple H. Fucking stupid idea. <laughs> that was yeah, a dumb idea absolutely. because it, it really made no sense. Like, exactly. CM Punk wanted to be in the main event. He didn't want to fight Triple H. I don't even know where you put CM Punk in any story. Like, even, let's say he was here. Who in the hell would he fight besides Triple H? Triple, uh, I don't know. I can't think of any. Orton. Orton and Batista. Do the triple threat. But that's a spot that Daniel Bryan could be in. It could be, but you know what it is? If you put Daniel Bryan in that match, Daniel Bryan's going to fucking run over those guys, and people are just going to be so pissed off that, that he has to be a third wheel in that match. They're just going to shit on the match either way. My theory, well, several people's theory is that Daniel Bryan is going to beat Triple H. And the um, stipulation is if Daniel Bryan wins, he gets to be in the main event of Mania. So he gets to fight two matches that night. That would be you pretty awesome. That would be pretty cool. I could definitely deal with that. Now, of course, this Summer Rae and Fandango with, uh, with Fandango and Emma and Santino match was... Yo, it was fucking terrible. And people are like, yo, Emma's a good wrestler, and she is. 
But yo, that match was shit. Um, I farted all over my TV during that. <laughs> it, it was just, it was just fucking farts across the board. I, it, it, and what is it, Emolution with her fucking Nazi sign dance that she got going on? I don't understand what, what she's doing. I don't know some shit like this, some some fucking hokey shit. I'm like, I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah, everyone's going to be doing that dance. I wonder how Fandango feels. <laughs> He's like, I came, I came, I was fighting Chris Jericho at Mania. Now I'm getting job to Santino. What the fuck happened to you, bud? I don't know, but I'd be more pissed off waking up to a stork every fucking morning. Yes, Stop Fandango, yes. beautiful lady, but fuck that nose. Yo, she needs to put on that bonnet, kid. Somebody needs to do that Photoshop and put Summer, put Prissy, Prissy the the stork's head on Summer Ray's body because that's exactly who she is. Like, yes, against Emma, yes. <laughs> Fucking terrible, dude. Oh my god! And then Fandango, wow. you remember when he first came out? He actually tried to dance. He doesn't even dance anymore. He's just like he dances like um. He dances like John Lovitz in Mom and Dad Save the World. That's how he dances. Just, just, just fucking seizure-inducing. Like, I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Are you even trying? He's like, yo, I'm not even trying, dude. I'm just standing here. And I feel bad for Santino because it's like, yo, it, this guy came in, the Milan miracle. Everybody wanted it. You know, everybody thought, oh, this guy's going to be pretty cool. And it's just like, yeah, you're going to come out there with a chick that does a dance that is three. That is one hand motion away from the Hitler salute, and uh, you're gonna feud with a bitch that looks like a bird and a guy that dresses like a metrosexual disco inferno. Yes, terrible. Everybody in that match, if an asteroid hit the ring, no one would shed a tear. Well, no, Summer Rae would just deflect it and cut it with her nose. <laughs> Dude, that beak, that beak on that broad, holy shit! Well, uh, she was uh, she won the Barry Award for 2013 for worst diva. Yep. for that very reason. Yep. So, um, the New Age Outlaws pretty much got killed by the Usos, but that's okay because it was funny. Um, Reigns and, Br- and Bray Wyatt, we talked about. You know, it, it amused me. The only awesome part of that was that dive by Seth fucking Rollins. Holy shit! <laughs> Yeah, the, when the two other members of the of the Shield saved the match, because I was like, Whoa! <laughs> "Believe, believe in this match not being believe ended abruptly, <laughs> dude." Uh, when Seth Rollins jumped, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> the, oh shit was when I was yelling through the entire elimination chamber match between the two teams because oh shit. You know what I like when Dean Ambrose came out, he had like street clothes on. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I came back and saved y'all. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Pretty much. You're welcome. And it, and it's great, man. The way they're booking him, he is such a scumbag. He is such an epic scumbag. He's like, yeah, I, I was in the match. Yeah, well, you know, where were you guys? I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> You know what, man? If we need to like, if we need to like sacrifice Roman Reigns and have him become like a new Ryback, where he has it all and just loses it, just so Dean Ambrose can get the push, I'm down with that. I'm Dude. so down for Dean Ambrose becoming like 
the, the best heel of the next 10 years. Dean, I Dean, think you're okay with that, too. Oh, I'm, holy I'm, shit, is he the man? No problem with that, dude. Dean Ambrose is such a scumbag. Like, I like when he sits there and he's just twitching and shit and moving around and, and playing with his hands and shit because you just see that it's just like he like his character is so unhinged and it works. Like, he's the kind of dude that threatens to stab you for taking his lunch but then calls you up an hour later and says, yo, dude, I'm bored. You want to go to the movies? He's that guy. He is, he is a lunatic. He is a complete psychopath. And then, of course, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar come out. Paul Heyman trying his hardest to sell Brock Lesnar needing a match for WrestleMania. If you didn't know at this point that the fucking dong was going to hit and The Undertaker was going to come out, then something is fucking wrong with you. I could have swore Hogan was fighting Taker. That was just me. I was completely surprised. Dude, Undertaker comes out looking like Vulture Man from Thundercats. Like, yo, what are you doing, dude? Undertaker was uh, was hitting his stride. That's he, it. He looked bad. You call Great Khali Mumra. I don't know. That motherfucker was slowly walking to the ring. Yeah, but you... fucking crawl. But, but you know what the, what the thing is? The, the Great Khali's body is held together by curry, uh, red chili paste, and Elmer's glue. The Undertaker, the Undertaker, you know, at least he has a little big league chew holding his, his bones together. He's all right. And, and, and you know, I marked I out. He, I did. You know. He pulls out some unobtainium once a year and just sticks it in his leg. Oh, dude, you know that. You know the, you, you know the, you know the Undertaker. He, he goes, he jumps in the Lazarus pit like Ross al Ghul, comes out all ready to rock and roll. That's what he does, dude. It's like I don't know. He, he was he was looking a little like a Doctor Emmett Brown from Back to the Future, man. Like I just wanted to like pull back his hood and just have the big poofy white hair. Well, you know, He's you know the funny old. thing. The funny thing is putting him in this match with Brock Lesnar. Everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, putting the beast against the streak. That's all well and good, but it's like, yo, you do realize that Brock Lesnar does not wrestle safe. Like he's gonna break the Undertaker's fucking hip, like in the first five minutes of that match. Black Lesnar, who unintentionally defeated the streak. <laughs> yeah, Jay, Jay's like, all of a sudden, you're jaded. Fuck out of here. Nah, Jay, I will always be a mark for The Undertaker. Don't get me wrong. You know, I grew up watching watching him wrestle with the big-ass tie and the big purple hat and, and, you know, crucifying Stone Cold Steve Austin on Monday Night Raw, like the, the corporate ministry. I love The Undertaker. It just amuses me that the dude chills for the entire year just chills. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to wrestle Brock Lesnar next week. But Taker, you know, we, we got like four weeks to WrestleMania. He's like, get it done. And that's it, dude. <laughs> like that, that's how, that's how much pull he has. He's like, yo, I got my opponent. And they're like, yeah, well, we thought Brock was going to face Batista. No, he's not. Okay. You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> you're, the, you're the boss. <laughs> that's it. You're, you're the boss. Like, from what, from what a lot of people say, he's the guy that you walk into a locker room, there could be an argument going on. He'll walk in and be like, yo, shut the fuck up. Silence falls over the entire room. Silence. He's a taker, man. Like, that's it. He's the taker. I never want to, because no, no one ever wants to see it end because he's so universally loved. He can be old as dirt. He can be as swell as a great colleague, but no one cares. If you're a true wrestling fan, you love the taker. Oh, yeah, dude. And, and you know what's funny? I've seen 
The Rock live. I've seen Stone Cold Steve Austin live. I have never seen The Undertaker's entrance live. It's on my bucket list. Only one. Probably amazing. It, you know, it, it's like when you see that, especially at Mania, the Mania entrances are the fucking best. Jay says, do you really think Taker wants to still wrestle? This dude is begging for retirement. And it's true. I bet you The Undertaker's like, yo, can I just go in the Hall of Fame and get my fucking ring? I wouldn't even doubt that, too. But you know what the problem is? If if they're not going to let him retire, he, he makes his own rules. Oh, you guys aren't going to let me retire? Well, here's what I'm doing. I'll see you guys in January. Yeah, exactly. Like, his last match, his last match will probably be against Sting. It needs to be. It needs to be. Because you know what, man? No one's wrestling dream will be done until then. And it's so close to happening. Yep, we're, we're there, so dude. Like, I can taste the Sting match. We are, we are right there. Strider says Undertaker's going to need a life alert bracelet after every body slam. <laughs> That's my problem. I'm worried that Brock Lesnar's going to go in there and try some old ill shit and fuck him up. Like, Undertaker's going to need to sit yeah. home. Until next January to wrestle Sting. Brock Lesnar has enough money, so he's like, fuck it. He just goes in and literally just breaks every rule. Like, he wants to beat the streak. <laughs> it's, it's not even on the script. He just <laughs> demolishes him. It's just like, Brock, you're going to take the pin now. Brock, 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 what are you doing? You just see Paul, ha- Paul Heyman yelling. He's like flinging the Undertaker through the announce table. Paul Heyman goes and starts beating Brock Lesnar with a chair. He just won't stop. <laughs> Just to, just to, just to make him stop, Paul Heyman goes crazy. You're killing him, Brock. You're killing him. That be that be. But you know what's funny? The Undertaker got written off TV by getting his ass whooped by the Shield. But yet he comes back and he says, "Here, Brock, have this pen." Like yeah, but the Undertaker also got his ass beat by the Nexus one year. I yep. heard nothing about that. Hell, King got beat by the Wyatt family. And nothing. Nothing. And that's that's where the writing takes a shit. It's like, yo, the Shield whooped the Undertaker's ass. The least he could have done was pop up in that six-man tag match, fuck everybody up, leave, then come back later on and stab Brock Lesnar in the hand. I thought it was funny. Personally. You know? But but that's but that's at least keeping keeping that continuity there. Like, oh my god, the dead man is cleaning house. Everybody was going crazy. Roman Reigns goes for the Superman punch. That nigga gets caught in a choke slam. It's like, oh, no, Superman. Oh, no. Out for that. Huh? Too awesome. Yeah, like Roman Reigns comes off ready for the for the choke slam. All of a sudden, nah, whole lot. Superman punch. Nope. Choke slam for you. That would have been it. Rollins jumps off the top rope. Nope. Hold this choke slam. And then Ambrose would have left. <laughs> Just left. Dipped in the crowd. That's it. Ambrose would have dipped out. And then the next Monday, he would have been like, yo, I was there. I was there, man. But, you know, he started shooting lightning bolts. I had to leave. One part of me does not want the Shield to, like, break up for like, a good, like, year. So that each each week, Gene Ambrose can just be a scum. <laughs> like that, what that, are you talking about, man? I was in the crowd. I got stuck in a line. I was trying to get there. Yep. Dude, I saw you were getting beaten up, but I got I got stuck in the bathroom. I couldn't get out. Just him being an utter Powerade, man. I swear to God, I need to keep you hydrated. <laughs> I needed to I keep hydrated. Session line, my bad. No, you know it's funny. He hops over. You know how they hop over the wall. He pretends he hurts his ankle when he hops over and he leaves. 
that just comes back. He, he trips over to the security wall. Yep, like like Rollins did a couple of weeks back, but at least he pretends he gets hurt. He was pissed. Oh, Rollins was tight, dude. Anyway. He almost wrestled that security barricade in, in like a dark match. He probably did. He probably hit it with like 17 chairs after the show was over. <laughs> but um, the big one. Yeah, we could talk about Raw and Raw was good and it was it was solid. But uh, NXT arrival. Holy shit, did it oh. arrive. I felt bad for Jay because Jay was doing the live blog for Impact and he was just like, dude, no one is, gonna, no one is watching this shit tonight. No one. <laughs> I guess it's a perfect time to go because my broke ass doesn't even own the network yet. Sorry. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, it, it was just crazy. NXT arrival was so insane. A lot of good matches. And people just said NXT pretty much thrashed anything that TNA Impact could even put together. So you think it's going to be like that good? Each, it's supposed to be each week, right? <clears throat> Supposedly, it's going to be each week. But I think they're going to do this, leave it for a little bit, and then do another show later on. Like, like we got this show now. You won't see another NXT show maybe till right before Mania or after. <clears throat> but I, thought, I thought they wanted to compete like each week with TNA. They said they wanted to, but you know what it is? They're still trying to flesh out all the programming. And I'm sure they're going to want to take the opportunity to create more stars. Because think about it. You know, you got Sami yeah. Zayn in there, but... You know, Cesaro Cesaro was the guy that everybody recognized. Same thing with the Ascension taking on Too Cool. It's like, oh, the Ascension look awesome. Who are we going to give them? Ah, let's give them Too Cool. Fuck it. You know? <clears throat> Makes sense. I think, I think there's a lot of stuff. You know, I think, um, you know, Jay says, I feel bad about NXT being on the network. I feel my little secret got shared with the world. Like NXT, NXT was was that good, dude. I was like, wow, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll continue to be that good as just an incentive to get the network. There you go. John Blaze been sneaking the fuck out of that all week. Well, I, baby, I well, think, I, I think you skipped midterm for it. Well, I gotta ask. I mean, you 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 just said you you hadn't picked up the network. Did did you not pick it up just because you haven't had time, or because you were waiting until? I mean, they were given the free week. You weren't going to get billed, I think, till afterwards. I'm just waiting for like everything to like settle down and shit. And I got a lot of stuff to do, so once like everything's cleared out, I'm definitely going to be for Mania. You know what I mean? But right now, you know, it's one of those things where I'm waiting for all the technical shit to get worked out. Yeah, so well, I, I know it's like clear to get in, and then I'll get in on it. There's yeah. no reason now when I got like you know papers and shit to do. That, yeah, you don't need that now for sure. So, so thank you, Jay Sanny, for being my beta tester. There you go. Thank, thank, thank Jay and thank uh, John Blade. <laughs> Even uh, John clearly has no problems with it. That's all he seems to do. He eats, sleeps, and breathes the network. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I was in the I was in the gym. I was watching fucking old ECW. I was like, this is what it's all about right now. One day I'll get it. There well, you go. Soon. I give it. Give it two weeks. <laughs> Well, before before we let him go, make sure to be on the lookout for Quark's Corner, uh, brand new, talking about Fable Three, should be published uh, tomorrow, and uh, make sure to follow Quark on Twitter at QuarkMTR. Anything else you want to add? Uh oh, one thing. Apparently, uh, Seamus has marks, and I was way off track with that rebooked. You think? Not even kidding. Oh no, I'm not even kidding, dude. I was in, and so many people were saying. 
Seamus is not boring. He loves the fight. What else do you want? I got. I had nothing. Most really? Loves himself from Seamus. That That's crazy. And it was funny because I saw that rebooked get get a fair amount of traffic, and I was shocked that nobody was, you know, defending or not defending him. But I guess they were just hitting hitting you with the bullshit instead. They, they, they love they love their great white man. He's their he's their idol. I guess the great so I just, white. Me and John were fucking mortified. So we had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Yeah, he has marks. Believe it. There you go. All right, so be on the lookout for Quark's Corner coming uh, probably later on tomorrow. Word. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in. All right, peace out. No problem. Peace. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Quark. Follow him on Twitter at QuarkMTR. And uh, make sure to check out his content on MyTakeRadio.com. Let's get into the other wrestling stories for this week. Uh, before we do that, My Take Radio's wrestling segment, I kid you not, brought to you by WWEShop.com. You can save $10 on any order over $70 with the promo code WWEShave10. Offered by WWEShop.com for My Take Radio listeners. Use WWEShave10. For orders over $70 to save 10 bucks. Again, WWE save 10 for orders over 70 bucks. Also, for those of you wondering, this shirt is from our friends over at the Headlocked Comic. Uh, you guys may know Mike Kingston. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He came out with a very cool uh, independent comic uh, called Headlocked. A lot of great work from artists and, and wrestlers, Beth Phoenix. Uh, Mr. Anderson, Rob Van Dam, and countless other talent have been involved. Uh, this is the official Headlock shirt I got from the Kickstarter. Uh, definitely check it out, headlocked.com. Shout out, shout out to Mike Kingston for the shirt. And there you have it. This is the official Headlocked uh, t-shirt that ties in with the Headlocked comic. Anyway, wrestling news for this week. Uh, Dish Network subscribers that were looking to order the elimination pay-per-view were forwarded to an advertisement for TNA Lockdown. There you have it. So <laughs> the Dish Network sticking into the WWE post-network launch. For those of you that wanted to see the chamber on the Dish Network, you were directed to Lockdown instead. Mark Henry did an interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel talking about his plans to retire within the next two years after his contract is up. Uh, he said that, you know, he, the fake retirement angle was fun, but he plans to retire within the next two years and plans on working with younger talent. It's unfortunate. Excuse me. It's unfortunate because Mark Henry really got himself um in a really, really great spot. He had a really good uh, career resurgence with the Hall of Pain. And, you know, to hear that he's going to retire in two years, hopefully he'll get a title run beforehand. But definitely, you know, it's unfortunate to hear because he was definitely catching up and hitting his stride. But we'll see what happens. It's, it's two years. We got plenty of time. Hopefully we'll see Mark Henry induct a couple of other superstars into the Hall of Pain. Those of you that are curious about Raw and SmackDown replays on the WWE Network, that is not going to be the case. Of course, uh, they are. there are replays of Raw and SmackDown. If you have the Universal Network on Fios, there are replays there. But you'll be able to watch the best of Raw and SmackDown from 2012 and 2013. From what I've been hearing, 
the replays for Raw and SmackDown are going to be staggered by 30 days. Much like the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, there will be a 30-day stagger period. So there you have it. Now, a lot of people have been curious about what wrestlers are going to be doing with regards to payouts. Stephanie McMahon actually addressed that in an interview she did with CBS Pittsburgh, and she said um, that, you know, there's been speculation about pay-per-view bonuses, and she said that talent will be compensated across all lines of revenue. She said all performers are treated well and the company would be nothing without them. So beyond the, with regards to that, that's the way that it's been, it's going to be acknowledged. It seems that all the performers will be paid even with the network revenue. So we'll see how that pans out. <clears throat> Jay Santi says Mark Henry, almost 20 years in the business quark. Mark Henry is the man. It is true. Mark Henry, even even past the sexual chocolate gimmick, his Hall of Pain gimmick has been by far his best work. As many of you know, when we were talking about the WWE Network launch, I mentioned that you will be seeing matches with Chris Benoit and that there would be a disclaimer. Uh, The disclaimer actually reads as follows. The following program is presented in its original form. It may contain some content that does not reflect WWE's corporate views and may not be suitable for viewers. WWE characters are fictitious and do not reflect the personal lives of the actors portraying them. Viewer discretion is advised. So there you have it. That is a disclaimer used for any footage involving Chris Benoit. So definitely very cool that you get to see some of Benoit's matches. He did have a lot of great matches during his WWE tenure, and I'm very happy that you can watch them. If you don't want your kids or you don't want to see Chris Benoit matches, you can block access by using the parental control feature on the WWE network. So there you have it. Now I got to make sure that you guys are aware that not every network is on, not every pay-per-view is on the WWE network. There are a couple that are missing, including insurrection from 2000 Royal rumble, 2011, of course, Royal rumble, 2014, the great American bash from 1991, the Japanese Super Show from 91, 92, and 93, When Worlds Collide from 1994, Collision in Korea from 1995, and the Millennium Final, which was a, a Germany uh, German exclusive pay-per-view also on the ECW side, Massacre on 34th Street. Those pay-per-views are not available on the WWE Network at this time, but I'm sure they will be available in the near future. Got to share an update with regards to Matt Hardy and Ribby Sky, who were arrested in early January on charges of a domestic dispute. Uh, the two appeared in court for those charges and pled no contest to charges of assault and battery. So there you have it. The two were ordered to complete an anger management course, pay court fees, and avoid any further trouble for the next two years, upon which the case will be dismissed. As previously reported, the two have moved on and are still together. Quark, I have no idea why the 2011 Royal Rumble is not there, but I'm sure it'll probably be there in the near future. Maybe there's some editing that has to be done, but it is not there for now. The Silva says, anger management, they should go see Dr. Shelby. Five points. Got to talk about our friend, Amazing Red, who launched an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign to create an interactive website that will live stream House of Glory weekly and monthly pay-per-views. 
As of right now, the campaign is in full effect. The goal is to raise $15,000 within the next 60 days. They want to create an interactive website that will live stream our weekly and monthly pay-per-views with live superstar interactions. Members can log in, watch live shows, and watch past House of Glory content on their desktops, tablets, mobile devices, Netflix, Hulu, and Google TV. As I said, their goal is to raise $15,000, and I will make sure to share the link in the show notes. So definitely props to Amazing Red and our friends at House of Glory for their Indiegogo crowding camp, uh, crowdfunding campaign. I wish them luck, and I will definitely be contributing to ensure that those guys get that off the ground. I know that Quark brought up Jesse Pinkman earlier on in the segment. Jesse Pinkman will be hosting Raw next week, or should I say Aaron Paul will be hosting Raw next week. He is there to promote his brand new Need for Speed film, which will be opening March 14th. So I'm sure there will be some breaking bad jokes and some other interactions with the rest of the WWE universe. I'm actually looking forward to it. We shall see how it goes. Sin Cara is in the wrestling segment this week because he is in trouble. Uh, in a couple of interviews that he's done, he said that he owns the rights to the Sin Cara character and was going to be appearing on AAA uh, Wrestling Promotions TV show. Seems, <coughs> excuse me. Seems WWE has threatened legal action against AAA if he uses the Sin Cara gimmick on TV. Sin Cara expects by May to be able to use the gimmick for the time being, but. I feel that WWE owns the Sin Cara gimmick and is going to be using it with Hunico. So I think that the original Sin Cara is going to be shit out of luck, but we shall see what happens. Speaking of mass wrestlers, a lot of signs are pointing to Rey Mysterio not renewing with the WWE after his contract expires in three months. Seems there's a lot of speculation floating around that he will be joining the brand new AAA Wrestling Promotions TV show debuting on Robert Rodriguez El Rey Network later this year. Conan is rumored to be involved with the project, and of course he is close friends with Rey Mysterio, which would lead to Mysterio being a very large part of the promotion should it get that TV deal on the El Rey Network. I personally am bummed to hear that. I hope that if Rey Mysterio is going to finish up with the company in three months, he gets a solid match, maybe a nice WrestleMania moment and perhaps even a Hall of Fame induction next year. Hopefully, Rey Mysterio sticks around. I think he still has a little bit of juice in the tank to give us a couple of good matches, but if he doesn't, you know, I wish him the best of luck. The guy's been in the business for a very, very, very long time. So there you have it. As for where he goes from there, like I said, AAA, definitely an option. Val says Rey may need TRT. Shit, who's to say he's not even on it now? Just saying. Ring of Honor fans will be pleased to know that Roderick Strong and Kevin Steen are strongly considered candidates for the next WWE NXT tryout camp, which is scheduled to go down March 24th through the 26th. There's also a rumor that Michael Elgin will be participating in that tryout camp as well, but it's not 100% confirmed. All signs point to Roderick Strong and Kevin Steen definitely being on board to try out during those next couple of days in March. Now. Kevin Steen, definitely would like to see him in the WWE. If anything, I'd love to see Kevin Steen managed by Paul Heyman. I think it would be tremendous, extremely awesome to see. But again, it's one of those instances where 
these independent guys, you know how Triple H is. He's not a fan of, you know, the whole independent style. We'll see what happens, but I think Steen has the tools, uh, mic-wise and wrestling-wise, to make a big impact in the WWE. And, you know, he he has a very agreeable body type. He's not a super jacked dude. Uh, he works very well in the ring, very technical. And I'd love to see it. Kill Steen, kill for sure, or fight Steen, fight. Definitely would love to see that. Uh, whether on NXT or on regular WWE programming, it would be serious business. The Silva says Steen versus Sami Zayn. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind that at all. Definitely, you have no arguments from me. With the launch of the WWE Network, of course, any YouTube content that WWE has been putting up, a lot of it has been pulled because now it's accessible on the network. But any of the content that is on Netflix will be staying on Netflix for the time being. Uh, they actually added the Christmas bounty film with The Miz to Netflix. The reason why they are keeping their programming on Netflix is because there is a solid source of revenue for the company. So if you're watching any WWE programming on Netflix, rest assured, you can continue to enjoy it. Last but not least, Kane's See No Evil 2 will be released in October, just in time for Halloween. All right, that wraps up this week's wrestling segment. Let's get into some gaming news, shall we? First up, Rise Son of Rome was supposed to be getting a co-op challenge editor. Unfortunately, it is not going to happen. After careful consideration, uh, the publisher at Microsoft has decided to not release the challenger editor and instead will continue to improve and expand the fans' experience with free content updates and purchased add-on packs. So there you have it, the mode. Uh, which was going to use the Smart Glass app, would have allowed players to quickly put together challenges and objectives in Gladiator mode, but that is not going to be the case. Seems that all signs point to a brand new Mortal Kombat, courtesy of Kiefer Sutherland letting the cat out of the bag. During an interview with IGN for his work as Snake in Metal Gear 5 The Phantom Pain, Sutherland mentioned that he has done voice work for a brand new Mortal Kombat game. He said, I did Mortal Kombat, and that's a huge game. It's not like Metal Gear Solid, but it is its own game, and it's a project that I recently finished. Of course, this is going to be an entirely new game since Kiefer Sutherland has never been involved with Mortal Kombat. NetherRealm Studios, of course, rebooted Mortal Kombat in 2011, and it was very well received. Of course, right after that, we got Injustice Gods Among Us, which was also very well received. We'll see what we're going to get with Mortal Kombat and whether this new game will be based excuse me, on the Mortal Kombat Legacy series or if it will continue to exist in the existing Mortal Kombat mythology. We shall see what happens. For those of you that are waiting on Titanfall and are on the fence about picking up an Xbox One, you can pick up the special Titanfall Special Edition bundle on March 11th. It will be available for a limited time. The bundle will include a download code for Titanfall, the Xbox One and Connect sensor, wireless controller, chat headset, and one month of Xbox Live Gold membership. So there you go. You can get yourself a brand new Xbox One, 
Titanfall bundle, and it will retail for $4.99. There you have it, $500. You get Titanfall and a brand new Xbox One. Uh, Titanfall has gone gold. A lot of people are, are highly, highly excited for this game. I personally am looking forward to it. I'm not jumping out of my skin to drop 500 bucks, but I am. I do need an Xbox One. Maybe I'll pick up the Titanfall bundle and get the game that way. But within the next six weeks, I'll have one or both of the new systems because I think it's high time that we started working on the next-gen stuff on the site. Ah, the stuff we do for work, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, on the PlayStation 4 side of things, if you are a fan of Awesome Knots, you'll be able to play that on your PlayStation 4. Awesome Knots Assemble will be launching on the PlayStation 4, and you can expect brand new skins, tweaks, and a couple of expansions to be included as well. Last but not least, of course, like I said, Titanfall has gone gold. For those of you that are picking it up on Xbox One, you can pick it up March 11th. If you want it on Xbox 360, you will need to wait till March 25th. Quark says, waiting for the shitty 360 version. Well, Mark. March 25th on your calendar. <laughs> Strider says Xbox three shitty. <laughs> nice work guys. Nice work. Anyway, gaming was a little light this week. Let's get into this week's entertainment news. There is definitely quite a bit to discuss. So let's get that ball rolling. Shall we? All right, entertainment news for this week. As a shocker to no one, the Lego movie is getting a sequel. All signs point to a brand new Lego movie hitting theaters May 26th, 2017. So there you go. It shouldn't be a shocker considering the ridiculous amounts of money that the Lego movie has been making. An unnecessary sequel, a.k.a. what the fuck movie news for this week. Let's talk about Space Jam 2. I kid you not. Space Jam 2. Deadline reports that Warner Brothers is moving forward with Space Jam 2. And all signs point to LeBron James starring alongside Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, the Tasmanian Devil, and other Looney Tunes characters. Of course, the original film was a huge hit starring the legendary Michael Jordan. So there you have it. Of course, if you follow LeBron James on Twitter, you know that he actually said that he wanted to do Space Jam 2. Now, again, take it for what it's worth. Deadline feels that this is a valid story. Val says that the rumor got squashed. Deadline published it. <laughs> I, I, I understand Val. It did, it did get squashed, and I saw that yesterday, but Deadline did report on the shit, so I definitely got to share it with you guys. I'm curious to see what they're going to do if it happens. I don't think LeBron James has the tools to carry an entire movie by himself much like space jam where you had bill murray and a couple of other characters involved that really made it work we shall see what happens i personally think a space jam sequel is not really something that anybody cares about only because the love of looney tunes from a nostalgic standpoint has come and gone i really don't think that younger kids are going to be as invested as we were but then again i could be wrong We'll see what happens. 
Anyway, it looks like NBC has found their actor for the Constantine series. It looks like they will be going with Matt Ryan's from Criminal Minds Suspect Behavior to play the supernatural detective. The pilot is being written by David S. Goyer and Daniel Cerrone. And as of right now, no one is sure if it's going to be the new 52 version or the original Alan Moore version. But Constantine has been found and it will be played by Matt Ryan. As for when the series will debut or the pilot, all signs point to the fall. I personally am curious. I'm curious to see, considering how NBC has done with Hannibal, the TV series, how well they're going to be able to uh, push the envelope with Constantine. Constantine seems more at home on A&E, maybe sci-fi or even FX. I think that the, the subject matter on you know, on NBC is pushing the envelope. I mean, they've been doing it already with Hannibal, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I agree. It definitely should be on another network. Val said AMC. Um, you know, again, it's a pilot. We'll see how far it goes and if anybody is even into it because Constantine is a very, uh, very unique character that, he, you know, we saw the movie with Keanu Reeves and I really felt that they were on to something with that film, but for TV, it's a whole other ball game. All right. So as I mentioned, we are getting a sequel to the Lego movie, but let's talk box office totals as the Lego movie continues to reign supreme at number one, bringing in $31.5 million. Kevin Costner's three days to a kill uh, was solid earning $12.3 million. The film pretty much opened up with low expectations, but as of right now, solid opening, $12.3 million. Pompeii was a complete and utter fucking dud. I kid you not. Earning $12 million. I had earned an average of $3,000, uh, $3,700 over the course of each theater that it was released in. But get this. The film had a $100 million budget. $100 million and it only earned $10 million here in the States. Uh, it brought in $22.8 million overseas, bringing its grand total to $32.8 million. Again, $100 million budget. Pretty much, I think that that movie has fallen into the... Uh... That about sums it up, more or less. Uh, George Clooney's The Monuments Man came in at number five. RoboCop was number four. I actually have to record my review of RoboCop and put it on the site. I'm a little behind schedule with that, but I did enjoy it. RoboCop has earned thus far $43.6 million domestically and a solid $143.6 million internationally. Actually, no, $100 million uh, international and $43.6 here in the States. So $143.6 million worldwide on a $100 million budget. Not a bad haul for RoboCop. Like I said, the Monuments Men has made $84.5 million on a budget of $70 million, So it is profitable. About last night, uh, $77.4 million. Definitely not faring very well in the number six slot. Ride Along was number seven. Uh, $4.7 million bringing its grand total to $123.2 million. Of course, it is getting a sequel, and we should not even be shocked about that. Anyway, 
Frozen was number eight, four point four million dollars, three hundred and eighty-four point one million total. Endless Love was number nine, and Winter's Tale was number ten. So the next film I want to talk about, I'm really curious to see how they bring this to the silver screen. Uh, what they're looking to do is a film focusing on the console wars between Sega and Nintendo. Uh, the book which came out that it's based on was the console war Sega Nintendo and the battle that defined a generation. The book is considered what is called a business thriller. It looks like they want to bring this to the big screen courtesy of Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg who are looking to direct and produce it. Blake J. Harris, who wrote the book, will executive produce and will also be co-directing a documentary on the subject. So there you have it. The console wars between Sega and Nintendo are pretty much a lock to hit the big screen, and there will be a documentary to follow it as well. Probably something along the lines of the social network, which, you know, captured the rise of Facebook. We'll see what happens, of course, as we get more news. I will definitely share it with you guys. One of the bigger stories this week and a bit of news that actually makes me quite sad was the passing of Harold Ramis. Uh, he was 69 years old. He had autoimmune inflammatory vasculitis, which is a rare disease involving the swelling of blood vessels. Uh, Harold had Harold Ramis had been suffering from that since 2010. Uh, very bummed to hear about his passing. Of course, Harold Ramis was Egon Spengler in Ghostbusters. He was also involved in films like Caddyshack, Stripes, Groundhog Day, Animal House, and National Lampoon's Vacation. Um, you know, he was 69 years old, and, and I'm bummed just because they're, they were working on Ghostbusters 3, which, by the way, is still going to happen. That's the crazy thing. It's still going to happen. Uh, Ramis was set to make a cameo appearance in the third film along with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd to pass the torch to three new Ghostbusters. Uh, director Ivan Reitman will be meeting with Sony and they're going to decide how to how to proceed with the project. Of course, this will be a follow up to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. It's just it's it's a sad state of affairs. Harold Ramis was if you watched any comedy growing up in the 80s, he was involved in it. I mean, I, every movie that I just listed, Caddyshack, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, Animal House, National Lampoon's Vacation have been watched numerous times in my childhood uh ghostbusters being my my all-time favorite followed by groundhog day i definitely have a soft spot for uh caddyshack and animal house as well but ghostbusters top favorite movie followed by groundhog day um of course harold ramis he popped up alongside seth rogan not too long ago i'm trying to remember if it was knocked up where he played seth rogan's dad um you know he was it's just sad, man, especially because he, he was taken at such an early age by a disease that he was just fighting for the last couple of years. Um, on behalf of the crew here at MTR, we definitely extend our condolences to Ramis's family and friends. Um, of course, the, the future of Ghostbusters 3, even though they're still going to do it, I don't think it's going to be the same. But again, we shall see what happens. The sequel for Ted is a go, but Mila Kunis is out and Amanda Seyfried is in. It seems that Seyfried will be playing the new love interest and leading lady. Uh, Mila Kunis's character, Lori, will either have a small part or not appear at all. So there you have it. Mila Kunis is out. Amanda Seyfried is in. 
And of course, Mark Wahlberg and Seth MacFarlane will be working on Ted, which is expected to hit theaters June 26th, 2015. There you have it. And some other sequel news, Carl Urban uh, said during a Star Trek convention in Germany that they are talks of a possible sequel to Dread, which I think is awesome. Uh, the original, you know, the Dread with Carl Urban, which came out in 2012, was insane. I really enjoyed it. I think it was one of the better representations of the character. Hell, I bought the Blu-ray in 3D as soon as it came out. I signed the petition for the sequel. I was, I'm super on board with a, with another Dread film, especially for how good that first movie was. Again, as soon as I get more news, I will definitely share it with you. Uh, definitely make sure to check out. I believe there's a Facebook page, uh, which is the Dread sequel page. Check that out. Uh, make your voice heard. Uh, the film, even though it didn't do very well in the box office, got a really, really big cult following, and it found its audience on DVD and Blu-ray. I should know because, I, like I said, I bought the Blu-ray day one, and if you want the sequel to happen, go out there, make it vocal, and it should get done. Like I said, Carl Urban has been in negotiations to get it done. We shall see what happens. Of course, if I get more news, I will share it with you guys. In some unnecessary sequel news, it looks like a fifth Shrek movie is going to happen. Four years after Shrek Forever After, uh, the Shrek series has made $2.9 billion. Uh, DreamWorks Animation CEO Jeffrey Katzenberg has said that they are definitely looking for another chapter in the Shrek series. He said, we're not finished. And more importantly, neither is he. So there you go. We will be getting another Shrek. Uh, Strider says Eddie Murphy needs more money. You know what? That's probably the best Eddie Murphy work that I've seen being in the Shrek movies. Fuck it. I'll take it. They were they were pretty good. I think the the last one could have been a little better, but the Shrek movies definitely were enjoyable. A movie that doesn't need a sequel and plan and there are plenty of those is get this. We are the Millers. It looks that they will be doing a sequel to We're the Millers. Of course, the first film star, Jason Sudeikis, who I can't stand. Jennifer Aniston, Will Poulter, and Emma Roberts. And it earned $150 million domestically and almost $270 million worldwide on a $37 million budget. All four actors are expected to return, but no formal deals are in play. So there you have it. We will be getting a sequel to Where the Millers. Why? I couldn't even fucking tell you, folks. Anyway. Another unnecessary sequel, but this is just a blatant cash grab, is The Smurfs 3. Yeah, we're going to get a third one, folks. The first two films have made $911 million worldwide uh, with budgets ranging uh, right around the $200 million mark. Uh, the first film had a $110 million budget. It made $563.7 million total. Uh, the second Smurfs film had a $105 million budget. It made $347 million worldwide, but the third film will not be using the live action animated hybrid formula. They instead will be using a full animated film from start to finish, entirely animated, no more humans, no more live action bullshit, no more CGI animated start to finish. Third film is scheduled tentative tentatively for August 14th, 2015. So it wouldn't be a movie segment without some talk of Marvel movies. Uh, CEO Kevin Feige from Marvel Studios 
did an interview with IGN talking about a couple of different things, including confirmation that they are working on Doctor Strange, uh, but he kind of squashed the rumors of Johnny Depp being involved. But we will be seeing Doctor Strange in Phase 3. He also said that we, you know, he acknowledged the positive reaction to the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, which was very good. Also, there will be a documentary from Marvel that will be on ABC that will give us a sneak peek at Avengers Age of Ultron. Be on the lookout for that post on MyTakeRadio.com with all the details later on. In some other Marvel news, Mark Webb will be coming back for Amazing Spider-Man 3. Paul Giamatti and Andrew Garfield will also be returning as Peter Parker and the Rhino. No other cast members have been confirmed, and as of right now, the next Spider-Man film will be hitting theaters June 10th, 2016. Obviously, we know the Sinister Six is coming, and if Paul Giamatti's involved, I'm sure that the other actors that are in this film will also be in the next as well. The Entourage movie. (laughs) Yep. The Entourage movie is a go with an, with a tentative release date of June 12th, 2015. And it will be competing against Jurassic world. Why do we need an Entourage movie? I don't know, but we are definitely going to get one. Another underrated film that is getting us a sequel is the conjuring. The conjuring two will be hitting theaters October 23rd, 2015. And I have to admit that the first Conjuring movie was was pretty solid. So a sequel should come as no surprise, especially when you're dealing with budgets that are this big and movies that make a fuckload of money. It should really, really be a no brainer. Strider says we need Entourage the same way we need Sex in the City. Yes. Bravo. Good, sir. I agree. One hundred and ten percent. We don't need an Entourage movie at this point, considering everybody has forgotten about Entourage. That's all I'm saying. In some other Marvel news, as a New Yorker, I'm very proud to hear this. Uh, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage, which are all going to be Marvel Netflix series, will all be shooting in the Big Apple. Considering that all four characters' stories take place in Hell's Kitchen here in New York City, it should be a no-brainer. Doing this is going to give New York City great tax incentives, around $4 million, uh, which is going to have 60-hour-long episodes at the minimum. There'll be 13 episodes devoted to each character and a four to eight episode miniseries called The Defenders to bring everything together. On the bright side, the shows being here in New York City will create at least 3,000 jobs, uh, 400 of which will be full time. And it's going to bring in at least $2.1 billion for in revenue for the city. Of course, Daredevil is a New York hero. And I'm very happy to see the street level heroes getting an opportunity to flex their muscle, even if it's on the Netflix small screen, I'd rather that than Marvel's Agents of Shield. I'm sorry, but I, I I'm not I'm not 100 sold. I'm not. We'll see how Marvel fares as they hit in head into a brand new venture with streaming services. Of course, between that, Spider-Man Two, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel definitely has their hands full. All right couple of months back we were talking about the masters of the universe movie and how director john chu actually has dropped out of uh you know the masters of the universe film that columbia wanted to pull out uh excuse me put out sorry they have a couple of different directors in mind 
including Mike Cahill from Another Earth, Harold Zwart from Karate Kid, and Chris McKay, who was the editor and animation supervisor of the Lego movie. All these guys are on the short list of directors. Also, Justin Kroll of Variety tweeted that Jeff Wadlow, who did Kick-Ass 2, was on the short list as well. I'm curious to see how they're, how they're going to bring He-Man to the big screen and if it's going to be able to resonate with a newer, modern audience. I feel that the He-Man that we saw as kids growing up worked because it was so campy and so silly back then. You're going to have to make it darker and more violent to really resonate with a newer audience. But again, as of right now, we have a short list of directors. And as soon as I hear more, I will share that with you guys. Ah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles remake, the Michael Bay remake that everybody's been chomping at the bit for, will be able to be, you're going to get a glimpse of it for Captain America and the Winter Soldier on April 4th. It'll likely be online earlier that week, but as of right now, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles teaser will debut in front of Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So if you're trying to see what the Turtles are all about, the Michael Bay produced film, which will be hitting theaters August 8th, will be getting its teaser with Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So mark that on your calendars. Fast and Furious 7 will be resuming production next month. Uh, They're looking to start filming on or around April 1st with uh, an expected release date of April 10th, 2015. So it gives the director a full year to flesh out the story. Of course, the filming was scheduled to resume after Thanksgiving, but of course, due to Paul Walker's death, uh, filming that was halfway completed was put on hold and they're going to write off Paul Walker's character and retire him instead of killing him off in any way which of course will be in poor form. So there you have it. Fast 7 will resume filming in April. All right. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of MTR. It was a a pretty action-packed episode, and we are actually a little bit under three hours, so very happy with that. Anyway, let's wrap things up. You've just watched and listened to My Take Radio episode 217. For Thursday... February 27th, 2014. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio or would like to write for MyTakeRadio.com, you can email me at mtrhost at MyTakeRadio.com. If you're interested in advertising with us, you can also email me at that address. Uh, T-shirt provided by Headlocked. Uh, Make sure to check it out, Headlocked.com. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. To keep up with all the My Take Radio happenings on social media, you can follow us on Twitter, at My Take Radio. Become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash My Take Radio. Add us to your circle on Google+. Follow our boards on Pinterest. And, of course, you can always follow me on Instagram, My Take Radio underscore Rich. But the best MTR experience is $1.99, and it is courtesy of the My Take Radio app. Available for Android, iOS, and Windows users. For Android, you can pick it up in the Amazon Marketplace. For iOS devices, of course, iTunes is your source. And for Windows, you can use the Windows Store and use it, use the app with your Windows mobile device or with your Windows 8 PC or tablet. Last but not least, you can always listen to episodes of My Take Radio via archives on MyTakeRadio.com, Stitcher, 
Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, uh, the Zoom Marketplace, and any of the other podcast providers. Of course, you can also catch our reruns on the GFQ network, gfqlive.tv. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR crew, I will see you guys next Thursday. Thank you all for tuning in. I am out of here. Peace. Taking us out this week will be Artificial Fear's rendition of the Walking Dead theme. You can find Artificial Fear on Facebook, facebook.com, Artificial Fear. You can also go to their official website, artificialfear.com, and any of their other links, which will be posted in the show notes. All right, guys. Peace.